Warning, the following episode contains content not suited for those who want quality entertainment or information. What? No. What? That's, that's wrong. How, how do you come at us like that? You know what? I know that's not true because the quality of our guests on this episode are going to make this one of our best episodes Maybe ever. Maybe it's that she wasn't privy to our guests. Maybe she doesn't know that we have the chief engineer from the Wrangler and the freaking Gladiator. Well, how about we have the guys from KC Highlights with us? That's heavy. That's super heavy. That's hey, heavy. by the way, they're in, in studio. studio. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I want to get them in the studio so we can mm-hmm. get this thing started. But first, we have to thank Nissan for uh, for being our presenting sponsor and for sticking with us for so long. I don't even know how many episodes they've been here, but uh, I I think we've sold at least one truck per episode. Uh, that many? Are yeah, you uh, serious? 100%. Maybe two. Maybe two per episode. Well, if they believe everything we say, we've sold uh, 240? Yes. Six of them. Whatever that guy so Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. If you are interested in a uh, half-ton truck, head over to NissanUSA.com where you will find information on the mighty, mighty Nissan Titan and Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. The industry's best warranty. NissanUSA.com. Check out the all-new 2020 Nissan Titan, Nissan Titan XD. By the way, coming soon, the 2020 Frontier, the new 3.8 and 9-speed as a little little, uh, little precursor to the fully redesigned 21 Nissan Frontier. Yeah. That thing's freshy fresh. It really is. If you need like a, uh, a no-frills, hard-working truck that's quiet inside, rugged, Frontier. Yeah. If you, uh, if you hearken back to the days of the hard body... Frontier's your truck today. Oh, the hard body. Man, that is sweet. You know, I think the the Frontier kind of kicks the hard body's butt. I don't know. I'd like to uh, put them head to head. Oh, Jeez. wow. That's uh, a cool matchup. Hard body was a badass, tough little truck. Do you ever remember the Nissan commercials back in the day? No. Where they were just pounding and the torsion bar, A-arm suspension was just like... <laughs> no, but I remember stuff. throwing uh, six 18-inch subs in there and three-quarter inch MDF that weighed a ton booming down the street. That's what I remember. Dude, let's see if Nissan will give us a Frontier and throw a bunch of 18s in the back and just boom like at Balboa, like down at the beach. Like, <laughs> Why is everybody can look and go look at those old guys trying to relive their youth? <laughs> it will hang out. Uh, look out, weekend. Here we come. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I think it would be better use of our time to throw a deck system in the back of the old Frontier. You're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, head over point. to uh, decked.com or at decked USA mm-hmm. and check out one of the slickest cargo storage solutions on the planet for your midsize, full size truck or a commercial van. If only they had Texas ball bearings. Lightning, they do have Texas ball <gasps> bearings. What? How do you think they open so smoothly? Oh, yeah. Go to decked.com to find out if they have one for your truck. Chances are, they do. I think it's time to let our guests in the studio. What do you think? But first, we have to start the show! The Truck Show. We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck cause truck rides with truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman Holman, it's hot as balls in here. No, so it's not. I have a fan that's blowing the hot air around in the corner. Not- this is the spot right here. <laughs> yeah. It's not helping. Well, yeah, because you're right in front of the fan. You're you want to switch? I'm, Are you I'm, get, I'm getting nothing okay. over here. Okay. Whatever. We have well, our friends. How about this? 
I'm going to take the Just fan him? And I'll fan him. <laughs> I'll just start taking <laughs> off my clothes. This is, Al- this is Alan Wang, CEO of KC Highlights, and I'm just going to make sure that uh, I don't have grapes for him or good. a palm, palm leaf, good. but I've got a big truck show sign, a big foam core I can fan him with. It, it doesn't work without the grapes. <laughs> you need the grapes. And you also have to have the throne where the mm-hmm. people can carry the corners, right? He looks good in a uh, gold bikini. So you know he, what I mean? I, yeah. he walked in on his that own power, though. He wasn't, not them, you. <laughs> oh, me. You would wear no, the gold bikini while can't. you're, while oh, you're can't, fanning no, him. Yes. Wife says no more after oh, that yeah. last so, time. So if I start taking off my clothes, you need to fan faster. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no, that's when I start running. I'm like, oh, it's HR, HR! We're going to put you both to work. Holman, you want to introduce our guest and then we'll give him a little intro? Yeah. So we uh, we have all the and I'm gonna mess up how to say your last name. Oh, don't even try. Sedagot. 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 Yeah. I didn't even mess nice. it up. He we, did his we, research. We practiced before you, you came. Right? Yeah, before yeah, we day. had to. And uh, and you do. You're the marketing director, manager. Uh, marketing director okay. with Casey Lights. Yeah. All right. And then uh, of course uh, Alan, who we were fanning just a moment ago, who's the CEO. <laughs> and uh, was, was that you like sucking up to the CEO? Already? Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It worked. That's so cheesy. Really just good. send me your sponsor. <laughs> send me your sponsor deck. We'll, we'll get it to you. <laughs> Hey, see, look at that. Did you see that? Set in the sponsor deck. Wink, wink. But, oh, but all these are competing podcasts, so he's got his own little show on oh, the side. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of Rig for Dirt. <laughs> we bring the adventure to you. Uh, by the way, you should definitely uh, check out Rig for Dirt. It's, uh, it's a really good podcast. Rig for Dirt? Rigged. Rigged, Rigged for Dirt. R-I-G-G-E-D. Yeah, yeah yep. ready to go. Rigged for Dirt. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Okay. But it's not just me. It's also Frank Martinez who... Co-host it with Well, me. the funny thing is, anywhere that we're at, I he's see like that. my lightning. I'm like, hey, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's no lightning, but he's close. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys, uh, we have to welcome you to the parts department. <laughs> welcome to the parts department. Screw, nut, filter, oil, grill, tools. Wheels, tires, brakes, lights, gears, belts. And your wife warns you not to. Don't you stick out. And then you want to come back. Because uh, you've been spending a lot of money out of that joint account, and she is not happy. <laughs> you not need no, you need the PayPal account. You know what I mean? You need, you the, need the walking around money. What yeah. you need to do is you need to do it the way we do it, where I've got my own account, and my wife has her own account, and then we have a household. And we mm. each put in our respective amounts of the household, and then whatever else, that's fun money. That way, she can get what she wants, I get what I want, nobody has to clear through anybody. That is how you uh, handle marital bliss right there and uh, getting all the parts you want. Bit- and a Bitcoin. comfortable couch. Bitcoin account. Yeah. I don't a know Bitcoin. about a Bitcoin. I think it's similar that you just need a PayPal. Like we, PayPal, we, we sure, were not, dude. we were not Crush. using PayPal. All of a sudden, we turned it on at work, and we were doing a couple of extra grand a day just after yeah. turning on PayPal. Does it make it easy, dude. No, because dudes had their own oh. private slush fund, <laughs> in their, their parts fund in in PayPal. <laughs> do they, do, do they have that setup where it's like giving myself twenty dollars a week allowance, and then it just slowly populates, and then once you have enough money, you go for it. I don't. I think what it is is you sell some crap on eBay or whatever, and that just oh, goes. Oh, and it goes in exactly oh. right. No, straight up, I've been selling parts ever since this coronavirus thing hit. I've been selling parts and patches, believe it or not. And there's a whole marketplace out there. They love patches. So I've got like. There's a convention I've in got, Anaheim, a patch convention, patch and dude, pins. I made like 2,500 bucks and selling patches and a couple parts here and there. And so that is my slush fund, straight up. You're right. 
Well, uh, we just uncovered uh, the secrets <laughs> <Yeah>. to manhood. <laughs> that's how that's how the case gets paid confess? for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what is this? Is this uh, hot room confessionals? Is that the uh, segment we're going on here, Lightning? Hot room confessionals. <laughs> yeah, like I don't that. have an intro for that. We don't. No, no, no jingle. Okay. Yeah, no jingle. No, I don't. So uh, we before we hit the record button, we were sharing with you some of our favorite jingles, and Lightning said this is my favorite, and then he didn't play it. So oh yeah. Well, okay, because some of our I guess we were explaining to the guys here that. Um, who you guys are kind of new to the podcast, and the jingles are abrasive to some people. They're <laughs> just the like least. yeah, to say the because like if you're a rock fan or country fan, yeah. some of ours are playful, yeah, right, and some some are dumb, some are straight up dumb, yeah. But they become earworms. I think a lot yeah. of guys are like this is this is lame, and then the, their kid in the back seat starts singing to it. Like this is one of my favorites. It's for I think we played this one last for um, Trevor Milton. Innovator who, motivator? N- no, or, no, he, no, he's an entrepreneur. Oh, entrepreneur. This. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? Quit your job and get a loan. And don't let anyone tell you you can. Go into debt and don't look back. Don't worry, there will always be another crappy job. This is what it takes to be an entrepreneur. So, you know, this is our own brand of weirdness that we bring to the podcast space. And, uh, <laughs> All right. Let's uh, do we do we rewind the clock here? Do we go back and, and find out how you guys got involved? That's all, Alan. Yeah. Oh, Ollie, you go first. We got, what do you mean? You're, you're the one who's got like 17 years personally involved in KC. So. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I think uh, KC, a huge brand, whether you remember it from uh, being on the uh, cover of uh, a four-wheeler magazine uh, next to some uh, hot pink shock boots, or whether you remember it on uh, the Back to the Future Toyota with the, mm-hmm. this, the daylighters smiling or various project vehicles over the years. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, dude. Oh, my God. I, I forgot about yeah. Bigfoot. I mean, KC, huge brand. Huge brand in the uh, in the automotive aftermarket and the off-road side. Maybe let's let's go back, talk about the history and how bring us up to current. In like the Alan, you've got five 17 minutes. years involved? I have 17 years involved. Okay. A lighting company. Invest in a lighting company, they said. It's going to be fun, they said. It's going to be easy, they said. Um, no, Bunch I mean, of liars. <laughs> uh, you, you know a lot of the history, too. You know, uh, Pete Brown founded the business in Saugus, California, in his garage. Literally, we have photographs of, you know, housewives in the neighborhood helping him build these lights. Uh, so Pete Pound founded the company, you know, he was looking for a solution, couldn't see in the dark. So <laughs> what better way than to take aviation bulbs, put them into housings for that could withstand off-road and Casey was born. Um, so that was really the roots of it. And he moved to Williams shortly after Saugus when he found out that a lot of his friends and then his, his friends of friends wanted to buy light. So, and that's Williams, Arizona. That's Williams, Arizona. And, um, beautiful that, part of the country. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Amazing. I mean, when deer just kind of gracefully Walk. yeah, <laughs> yeah. graze across the front property. Yeah, you I do mean, the uh, deer slalom on your way home. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a beautiful property, and yeah. it's quite magical. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot no, of us go there, and special. it's like awesome to work out of the office. But yeah, he moved to Williams, Arizona, and it's been there ever since. Um, Ollie and I work out of Los Angeles office, so yep. um, a lot of our sales, marketing, product development um is is there and then assembly production distribution is in is in williams but yeah i mean pete founded it uh his stepson uh also worked for pete it, by the way is that the only thing in williams like there's not much there no come on now well there's I mean, a grand like a, canyon I yeah mean, but it's not in williams just, uh, just one of the seven wonders yeah. of the world like <laughs> you know i mean there's not it's not a mecca of business you know what i mean no no i wouldn't yeah, probably not, not. I no, think Casey's I, one of the larger companies out there. 
Yeah, I would say. I mean, you know, I think that uh, it's easier to identify Williams when you say Radiator Springs. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> my kid's that. super into cars, so yeah. it's yeah. like that's, you know, how you really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's that's what Williams is. That's right? where Radiator John Lasseter got it from, right? Uh, I think so. I yeah. Think so, I yeah. Think so. Um, but yeah, his stepson, uh, Michael DeHaas, uh, worked at the company also for, for a few decades and then bought the business from Pete um, in 2004. Uh, and that's when I had joined my dad's business. Um, our family business, we we supply design design and supply products to a lot of aftermarket automotive brands. Uh, so, what Casey, type what type of products? All soft, hard goods. I mean, anywhere from suspension parts to suspension seats. I mean, we've we've touched a lot of different types of parts. I mean, for us, it's mainly the the process of managing the design of the parts with them, uh, and then seeing it through fruition. I mean, it could be an unfinished part. It could be a finished part. It could be a complete. Is some of it like part. private label? Where you some of it's private label. So that Casey was a customer of ours for a very long time. Um, and so when I joined my dad's business, you know, I worked directly with Pete and, and Michael to, to really design additional products, you know, from 04 and on. So yeah, I, I've, when I joined Halogen was still, was still pretty big and, and so was HID. I remember the, one of the very first uh, really good Casey HID products I had them on my uh, 2001 Ranger FX4, 4x4, long travel, supercharged, manual transmission. It was awesome. It had a uh, four-wheel drive, 14 inches of travel in the front with the Dixon Brothers kit, 17 inches of travel in the rear. And I was going down to Baja to go pre-run and to chase the race. And Michael at the time said, hey, check out these new HID lights. So we did a store in four-wheeler. That was the very first time. So I've been in automotive for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been here for uh, 17, just like you, going wow. on 18 years. Wow. And that was the very first time I had a set of lights that I did not. I was not able to outrun. And I, I, I bring up the fact that it was a supercharged Ranger in long travel because you, you could easily in Baja, you could be going 80, 90 miles an hour down a pitch black dirt road. And just those two, I think they were seven-inch lights, and uh, they were HIDs with the ballast and all that, but they were so bright, and the spread, the beam pattern was so perfect that I didn't need any other auxiliary lights. And it's funny, you know, how many lights people stick on vehicles these days, but those two lights on the front of my Ranger, I could go anywhere at night. And that was, I was already a fan of Casey and had run a ton of Casey stuff and knew Michael from other magazine projects and stuff. But again, that was the first performance set of lights that I ever really experienced, and went. This is a game changer for you know desert travel and night travel. It was amazing. KC lights are the best. They have set the standard for fifty years. Oh really, Alice? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah, no. I mean, HIDs are are awesome, and quite frankly, some of the best lights still, you know, price per, sure. per lumen or price per performance. So, you know, I think a lot of a lot of lighting is jewelry, uh, and Pete said that actually early on in one of the old footages. The footages that uh, we've seen um, with Walker Evans was he was talking about how lights, a lot of it is to, to see with, but a lot of it is like for personalization to make the vehicle your own. You know what the perfect uh, illustrator for that is to me is when you see an old patinaed car mm-hmm. or a truck and everything is just clapped out on it and rusty and patina, just a new set of headlights bring yeah. that whole vehicle alive. Just yeah. seeing a clear, bright yeah. set of headlights and you don't care about the rest of the vehicle because- sure. 
It's almost like you see into the soul through the lights of, yeah. a, of well, a vehicle. The, but it's in the opposite. Well, I guess it wouldn't be the opposite. It's true. But like if you see a nice vehicle and the headlights are all cloudy and yeah. yellowed, then you, nasty. you yeah, you immediately you're yeah. like, I'm out. It's like, Blow it nasty. off. That thing's yeah. a beater. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's like a it's like a Mercedes S class that somebody left in their driveway. So it just has like the haze over the thing, and you're like, what a pile. That thing sucks, <laughs> right? And it's amazing. It's just you're right. It's just the fact that you have a, a clear lens, a really good looking optic. It's again, it's like the soul of that vehicle. Yeah. yeah, and I think when LED light bars, you know, became really popular, that was part of it too. You know, it yeah. was it was a jewelry of it and, and the look of it. What was it? A SEMA of like 2012. We're slowly climbing out of the uh, the recession. Uh, SEMA is finally getting some new products in, uh, but it would probably be the year after before you saw innovation. And it was like stacked light bars. It was like yeah. the innovation of SEMA that year was how many light bars can, can you put, put on, on a JK? Oh, it's like God. 27 <clears throat> light bars tall, and you're like, all right. Guys, I get it. Light bar is cool, but you don't need that many. You know? I mean, SEMA's always been about trends and anything. Like, it's all like that. I mean, whether it's uh, personal electronics or it's stuff we, in we your sh- car, we'll I mean, have it's to circle, always about trends. Yeah, we'll have to circle back and talk about light bars because, in my opinion, light bars aren't even the best. You know, they're good from a, a packaging standpoint or, or low, you know, profile for your radiator airflow or this or that. But I don't even think, you know, the trends went to light bars, but I've never really found many light bars that I was super impressed with. Mm-hmm. I always felt like individual light optics were always better in terms of, you know, getting the spread that you need. But Well, okay, but okay so guys, Alan, talk about light bars. Let's, let, when light bars came into vogue, where was what was Casey's stance on it? And did you make a boatload of money? Like, were you late to the game? Were you – everyone's got a, a strong opinion about light bars. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were actually not late to the game, but we struggled with developing our first light bar. Um, there were a lot of mechanical issues that we couldn't get over. Um, oh, a lot really? of ceiling issues. Yeah, we actually, one of the most copied light bars on Amazon was designed by Bobby Liang, our our, uh, our director of product development. And it's one of the most copied designs now on Amazon, which the side of it has like this rounded you know, end cap and it has you can see the fins through it. And uh, anyway, so we, we actually had a, a, a very early light bar design we just couldn't get it together on the ceiling i mean everything else was great and we actually kind of gave up so i consider us way late to the game um from that regard but i think did it did it hurt the business at all being late you know it didn't for us thankfully just because i mean there are so many loyal customers and at the time and you guys have always had a a pretty robust uh product lineup anyway we, we have which is both great and to our detriment sometimes but we did i mean we had we had halogens and hids like you said and um, there was still a lot of that product moving, and I think from the brand and the loyalty of the consumers, including a lot of our distribution, it bought us a tremendous amount of time, um, and we're very grateful for that. And I think we're, we're, we're paying back the loyalty and the loyal customers and the distribution and, and all that right now just through a lot of the innovation that we brought to the table, not just performance-wise, but, but aesthetic-wise and experience-wise, so... Well, this this year is a milestone. It's your 50th anniversary. So I don't want to get I want to get through the history just so we can kind of get to Casey of today, and then we can get into some of the products and, and innovations that you guys are doing because you are. Casey innovating. lights are the best. <laughs> they have set the standard for 50 years. <sighs> I, I can't control Alice. Yeah, that's just true. Talks when she, she wants. She's our AI. She She's just pops inspired. in whenever. I mean, yeah, let AI do, do their job, man. <laughs> exactly. All right, so. Uh, we're at the point uh, where Michael had bought the uh, the business, mm-hmm. and he, again, he was there for decades. He was a familiar face. You were working as, I guess, a supplier side at the time, and mm-hmm. then how did it get to the point where you were able to take over the business and, and bring KC to where it is currently? Um, you know, it was just 
you know, working on the product so intimately, you know, we, Bobby and I went to, with Michael uh, and Ron, our, our general manager right now, at the time to uh, to the Parker 425s, the Baja 1000s, and really just immerse ourselves in, in what is going to do the brand justice from the standpoint of, hey, what are racers really need, you know? Um, and there, there were a ton of different um, people in the industry that really helped us craft that vision of what product is is sh- should we be we should be developing so um during that time i think we were just very much ingrained in off-road and in in the culture yeah from 04 to probably like um 2013 we launched a series of products in hid uh, we took our first stab at led um and we had s- standalone lights too so the bars although we didn't have the perfect formula. Um, we launched um, some single standalone lights that were, that were really good. So yeah, Michael and, and I worked intimately together across product development. And then I come from a, a, an IT background. So uh, web servers and all that was my cup of tea. And so we also own a, a agency that just builds e-com sites. So we took over some of the marketing. And so before long, we just had built all this trust, right? And for us being a vendor of just the product design and the products themselves, we felt a loyalty and a responsibility to, to help him succeed no matter what it was. Um, so whether if it was the website and e-com or if it was marketing or whatever we could do to help move the product, we felt a responsibility to. And I think that just built more trust and more relationship. So ultimately in um, you know 2013, 2014, I think the light bar, LED light bar market was in its peak. Um, we we reach peak light bar. Yeah, that's that's SEMA trend. I, right? I believe if you look at the uh, the the timeline of automotive aftermarket history, mm-hmm. there's a, a little dot there that says peak, <laughs> peak light bar. Peak light yeah. bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was painful. Um, and that when you bring up and when you say SEMA and trend and light bar, it we have repressed memories of you know, that time. So <laughs> it's uh, it, it it was it was crazy, man. Because you went to SEMA and it was like. I don't know. It's like the guy that was building websites, you know, that went to go solicit more websites had light bars. It was like, <laughs> what is this guy doing selling light bars, right? So that was very crazy to go through that. By the way, uh, on Instagram, at lightbarhawker. I don't know <laughs> right? if anybody is aware of that. but <laughs> Was was every Chinese factory converted to light bar manufacturing? I mean, yes. I, like, I think so. And you know what's funny? <laughs> They're doing it with masks now. Yeah, right. Every yeah. light bar factory is selling <laughs> masks. N95 masks. Yeah. It was like all the email masks suddenly shifted to, we can yeah. make masks. It's yeah. Whatever is mass desired, those factories just swap over yeah. to whatever right. they well, yeah, Right after 9-11, they were all making little American flags that you could yeah. put in your front yeah. lawn. So, I mean, which is cool and good because, you know, there's there's a need and there's all, a lot of people that need it. But it, it just goes back to the SEMA trend thing. And we talked about this with Mike Lover about, you know, innovation versus trends. And I think SEMA is a great place to go and look at trends. Yeah, for sure. But... I think that there's a lot of innovation that happens that, I mean, it, there's a big difference between innovation and trends, you know? You know, quite honestly, you know, Rigid Industries, you know, started that light bar market, and that's innovation. Yeah. Um, a lot and of if our, you remember, they had those great video, marketing videos. Oh, of, yeah. You yeah. know, drilling through them while they're yeah. lit up and Shooting. frozen and fire. Yep. And, and then I think that was why they were part of the reason light bars took off, because people were going... Holy crap! If this thing's this durable through this torture test, right, sure. I want that on my vehicle. Well, there there are so many trend. products, Holman, that have been around for eons, but no one's ever marketed them. Yeah, there are products that that are on our vehicles that they're just kind of like mundane and ordinary. But then someone puts a marketing twist on it. Before you know it, everybody it's, has it's, them. It's all the rage. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, well, it's definitely. like uh, you look at a shackle and then you see what Factor 55 did with the shackle. Right. And suddenly yeah, now you need Factor 55 yep. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of the stuff has become where it's 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 candy, right? It's jewelry mm-hmm. for the vehicle. That's yeah. exactly the right. Factor 55 stuff is a perfect example. Not only does it solve a need and it and, and it works well, but it's gorgeous and you don't have a zinc plated, rusted, you know, <laughs> something it's just a beautiful anodized piece that you can tie into the rest of the vehicle. Well, and then you see other companies kind of jump on board like Warren who then yep. developed a really nice looking shackle and, mm-hmm. you know, um, their own series of recovery products uh, that had that aesthetic yeah. approach, not just like, you know, your Crosby shackle anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is interesting now that they're working together. Yeah. Um, well, but, didn't didn't they buy? Factor yeah. 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 So yeah. Warren has Factor Fifty Five yeah. now. Yeah. And but it, it makes sense because they yeah. Warren saw that trend. And yeah. same thing with uh, KC. It's like KC. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of the, the cart ahead of the horse here on the story, but you know, KC started to do things a little different. And then now you see other people in the game are starting to do stuff like KC's right. doing. So it's kind of come a little full circle. You know, in thirteen fourteen, it it just it it really hurt the business. You know, I think. Um, it reached the peak climax, right? And uh, it took business away from us for sure. Um, and so we well, got. And, and you guys are a premium manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You, you do have, you know, budget light lines, but where the industry is landing, the products that you make in those categories are premium products and they're yeah. made with really good, high quality materials. And when you're getting undercut, by people bringing in, you know, cheaper product when somebody's only care, you know, only cares about the look, they're never going to use it. Sure. They just want that aesthetic. You're you're missing out on the sales. Yeah, and also we didn't build that relationship with the customer for about let's say ten years mm. leading up to that point. So there wasn't a great that loyalty. Well, I think the loyalty was there, but the relationship part is coming out with new and innovative stuff that the brand was seen as that. Sustaining the loyalty, Correct. I guess, right? Yeah, sustaining loyalty and that innovation, that excitement. Um, we didn't do enough of it. You know, I wouldn't say we didn't do any of it. Um, so I mean, was the company just complacent for a while or just... Uh... I think it was, you know, there were efforts, but I think we were confused. You know, I don't think we knew who we were anymore. You know, I think there was a big part of the company that still had DNA from Pete. There was a lot of DNA from Michael. And then there was a little bit of DNA from us, which we were trying to infuse the company with something different. Um, really out of just like sheer, like, will Inse- insecurity <laughs> of like, hey, we want to like help these people. We yeah. want to help this brand. And yeah. what do we do? You know, here's from our, where we sit, here's what you guys need. Well, we kind of do things this way. Yeah. And, and yeah. I guess that's probably one of those things when you look at a legacy brand that while legacy brands have brand identity, and have a ton of people that have been customers, sometimes it's it's hard to let go of who you were in order to move forward to who you need to become to stay relevant Man, in the marketplace. Mean, we're seeing that a lot. Like I came from radio, and I'm not going to go down that path, but you guys know kind of what's happening in radio. I mean, yeah. when's the last time you guys listened to FM? And and they were, a lot of radio stations are in denial about what's happening to radio. Right. And it still has a lot of ears listening, but... We now, with the digital age, it's forced these guys. You either figure out and reset FM radio, right. or you be crushed by Spotify or whoever that streaming platform is. Totally. And it's like Casey kind of probably faced that same thing. A let's either innovate, or you're going to eventually fold. Right? You're going to succumb yeah. to the pressure of your because you won't be relevant anymore. Right? right. Like yeah. like that's part of building a brand and sustaining a brand is you have to engage to get that rel- that relevancy where people say. 
oh, the top of mind is this company because I've had this experience and they never let me down. Or anytime I've decided to try the new trend, they have the right product for me and I can rely on them to keep me, you know, current, my vehicle current, technology current. And, and there's a I mean, well, because it's, it's crazy how busy, how much noise, I guess, is probably a better term out there for, for any brand in automotive. Well, a lot of, and a lot of brands can sustain because they have a fan base. And they're like, our fans will continue to buy this XYZ product that we make because they just, they know it, they love it, it's trusted. But the problem is those fans get older and they and die. They, and they die out. <laughs> they yeah. literally die. Yeah. And unless you go get a, a 22-year-old that's just finally coming into some money to buy your product, you're, you're going to go the way of the dodo bird. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. So so what did you do? What happened? Can you explain uh, the way of the dodo bird for us? The dodo bird? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an extinct animal. Gonzos. Gonzos. You know, I think it was, a, it, it, was, it was a pretty natural process, to be honest with you, just because you're dealing with, you know, almost four generations of family, you know, because, again, Pete to Michael, Michael to us, I mean, we... We were we were really a family, right? We went through everything together, and and so it was natural because we had developed that trust. And I'm grateful that Michael allowed us to some degree to like help him. When you reach a point and there's no innovation, it's because a lot of it's because you're not looking at yourself and saying, "Hey, like either you bring value or you step aside," you know. Yeah. Um, and and so I think he, in his own way, allowed us to do that, and it was perfect because we were always the vendor. And we just came in and, and provided other things, you know. And so it was it was a natural progression. But ultimately, it was like what you guys say. What you guys said is like we just had to really look at ourselves and figure out: Are we willing to set aside our ego and figure out figure this thing out? Because there's a bunch of people that are willing to live through this with us, or we're going to end up gone, right? Um, and when you started innovating, it was it was obvious, like the fans just were attracted well, to you. I mean, not only that, but I was, think the marketing, th there was such a drastic change in the marketing in the way it went from familiar to more uh, fresh, I guess, would be the thing. Yeah. It just, you could tell that, that a, a switch had been flipped and it's it's the Casey logo, it's the Casey quality, it's the Casey product, but wow, look at these other things that they're doing. Okay, I'm interested now. Right. Well, it's like well, the Casey family became such a big part of it, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's part of the secret sauce. It, when, when you say family, do you mean influencers? What do you mean? Well, I mean family. like The, we, the actual family. We actually, no. I mean, I try not to even call the influencers influencers. Yeah, I hate influencers. They're, to me, it's brand they're, ambassadors. They're literally like family members. Like we, <laughs> like I didn't start a KC just because I wanted a job. Um, By the way, you had a pretty cool job before KC. Right. I was, well, wait, what, what, what was that? I was working at 511 Tactical. I was running the, the design department. Hot uh, damn! Yeah, with the marketing team, so, that, that's still got a, my five eleven jeans on right yeah. now. That is a brand that <laughs> was with, on the, uh, fire. with the ammo pocket, still <laughs> like out of control on yeah. fire. Oh no, wow. they're, they're great. Um, solid company. They do a lot of good. They, you know, they support the people who support us, like the first responders. Um, so working with them for almost five years, you know, it was a it was a solid gig. But you know, as with anything, your passions start to diverge. So I started getting really heavy into like off road and overland. Well, during that time, KC came on board as my very first sponsor on my G project that I had that I was building with 5.11. And it's funny because they were like the last company to actually give me my parts right before SEMA. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> but but Thanks I, to Randy. Yeah, well, yeah. Brad. Um, but got it. I got it. And then I realized very quickly that it wasn't just because like I'd be on the phone with Brad for like two hours. Brad Myers over at uh, KC. Love Brad. Known yeah. him for almost 20 Solid years. Dude, oh, yeah, right? You guys go way back. I way think back. He actually, yeah. So 5.11 Tactical, you build the... Right. Working with Brad. What Kate, did you build again for... Kate the Jeep. Kate the Jeep. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. The Jeep. Check me out on Instagram is something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's nothing. It's not. It's not. It's not that great. It's another Jeep. Um, but solid build. A lot of fun. 
allowed me to get into an industry that I really cared about. Was that your first build? First uh, off-road build. Okay. So, I mean, I go back to 2004 with the D1 Grand Prix, like, import days. Um, but, you know. 2004. JDM, what was? <laughs> Straight up. I see your 2004 and, and raise you a 1989. <laughs> uh, I see your 89 and I, I raise you my 87 Accord LXI with pop-up headlights. No, but when, uh, Hey, 80- 64 and a half Mustang was my first car. Thank you very much. All right. That's All one right. of the first cool okay. cars I ever drove when yeah. I was a 60. So, okay, so you're building this thing and you fall in love with Casey? Right. I mean, uh, between meeting people like uh, Alan's brother, Andy, Alan himself, Randy, Taylor, like such a solid group of individuals behind the brand. And then as an ambassador, they always took care of me. I mean, uh, I remember once my brakes failed and Alan personally came to the rescue to uh, get me back from the border of Arizona and California on the 40 back home uh, when the company I was actually working for didn't even like, you know, pick up the phone. So it was it was at that moment I'm realizing like this is where I should be. And it was probably another five months or so after that point. Well, I, I have a theory that is the difference between like a street truck or street car type builder sure. and off-roaders is when you build a bag truck or a mini truck or a JDM car or whatever, when that thing breaks, you're calling AAA and they're going to come pick you up. Right. In the off-road community, inherent to all of us who love off-roading, you always carry, you're self-sufficient, you always have a tow strap, you always have water, carry extra supplies. Because you know that dude that just passed you on the trail might be the guy that ends up saving your life if you break down. And there's something inherent to people who are off-roaders where whether it's an off-road situation or not, they're just more helpful. Like, they're ready to lend that hand. It's just the way the community is. I will say that Mm -hmm. also exists in, like, in uh, the two-wheel community, Mm -hmm. at least on street Motorcycles? Yeah, motorcycles, yeah. Well, I mean, I I would even say it's just, it goes even as basic as just Alan's that kind of guy. And where it's like... The whole company, from what I've experienced, has been based on the relationships amongst each other versus just like the parts that we sell or the yeah. product that we're, we're peddling out there. Because at the end of the day, um, Casey, Casey makes a great product. There's other companies that make great yeah. products too. So but you guys aren't solving you know, or curing cancer, right? You're, exactly. You're making a product that is not something somebody needs. It's something somebody wants. And they've got a lot of choices out there. So how do you build up that brand and those relationships so that people come to you. Something mm-hmm. you just said, Holman, is that it makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Something you need, like toilet paper, you'll use yeah. whatever. Yeah. You'll use a tree branch. A pine cone. Especially a these pine days. Cone. I have. It's, <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it ends up, I use them all the time now. Can you like still buy so toilet paper? Like, <laughs> I mean, is, it, is it back on the shelf? Uh, it is in my Costco. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you can. But you don't like, know this, but I bought black uh, black market toilet paper. Did you? Um, yes, he did. Because uh, everything was out, and a mutual friend of Lightning and I, uh, had bought uh, like 10 cases, just happened to have a bunch of cases. So I bought a case uh, of one ply from the you back of the van. You make it sound like you wow. <laughs> bought 1,565 rolls. It's <laughs> not that many. Instead of, instead yes, of the speakers. Was. He bought 15. Oh, he did. He did. I didn't buy that many oh, from no, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead, it, of, instead of speakers in the back of like the gas station, it's <laughs> yeah, toilet, paper. toilet paper. There's a picture of him driving this van filled up with toilet paper boxes. By the way, no one does that anymore. What's up with that? The I used speakers? To, yeah. yeah dude. Dude, when we were kids, you'd have the guy roll up and he goes, hey, I have some speakers. And they'd want you to think they were stolen, right? Yeah, like right. That was the whole. Yeah. That was the whole thing. And he'd roll up in a van, right. and he'd peek in the back, and he'd be like, "Got some home stereo speakers. They're Fishers. <laughs> they're they're, not, they're, yeah, they're still they're around. Either. It's just they're on Amazon Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gotten smarter and got there, digital man. too. Yeah. <laughs> How did you take the next step in saying, "Hire me on," or like, "I love what you I mean, guys do"? Or did was, Alan reach out? You need me from the, from the first time we actually had our conversation was at SEMA. What are we at? We're twenty twenty now, two thousand eighteen SEMA, where I met. Um, Andy, Alan's brother, who's head of marketing, and then Brad and uh, Randy. And at that time, I was just a guy who was there showing his Jeep off, you know, for my first SEMA um, as as an exhibitor. 
uh, or a show car or whatever. And, uh, and we went out to dinner and I'm like, oh, these guys are cool. And, you know, we had a great talk. And at one point I even heard Andy say like, why don't we hire this guy? But then it wouldn't be for another year at that point. Uh, where they would be like, hey, um, you know, we have this possibility. I was like talking to Alan by this time we were friends and he's like, yeah, there's this possibility that, you know, we might be looking for this guy. Like, what's your situation looking like? And at the time, like the passion had kind of like fallen off for me in terms of like where I was. And I just wanted to get more outdoors and I wanted to be more involved in this community. And I'm like, this is kind of where my heart's at, what I want to do with my kids. I've got two boys. You know, I've always kind of followed my passions along my career. They kind of converged. So my passion became off-road and overland and camping. And so how do I make that also something where I'm making money at to where I can do both at the same time? Casey opened that door for me and uh, I jumped right in. How's he been, Alan? Horrible. <laughs> a-, a through F. A through F. No, A, I think um, to Ollie's point, um, like I said, like I think that we still have a lot of values that Pete had left. And I think the things I hear about Pete, even before I met him, worked with him, I mean, Pete was always just a damn good guy like always you know like he he just has such a big heart and I think he always embraced every employee I mean you know the stories are like he went through production and always gave hugs and you know he was very he was a very emotional person you know on on that on that end his his reputation for his interaction with employees was something that the industry was aware of yeah no yeah so I you know I think that uh we still have a lot of that right um I can say that we're just very passionate, and I think we we agree passionately. We fight passionately. Yeah. Uh, we meet passionately. It's very open, though. It's very honest. It, it is very honest. Now, I love. I want to hear about the the fights because the fights can really turn into good products. <laughs> it can, um, and most of those fights aren't about the products. Oh no! But, <laughs> you know, it's they're about the toilet paper supply. <laughs> yeah, or right. yeah. It's like damn anything. it! I told you we have enough money for two ply now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I want Charmin. <laughs> <laughs> I think the pine cone thing actually makes a lot of sense. Like exfoliator. At the yeah, time. absolutely. You want to you want to build toughness? I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you. you I don't want to uh, exfoliate my colon. You, know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you oh. may not get a check. That it, it doesn't it, have to go like, all the way in. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a light scrubbing on the outside. <laughs> I don't know. Where Lightning uh, was going with that. He's pretty, pretty creative on that. Yeah. Uh, I played it. That's what she I said. I know you, you didn't even hear it. I'm still gonna get it in. That's what she said. Uh, right. He's uh, my, 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 my partner here is a uh, is a fourth grader. He's like a 12 year old boy. <laughs> but it's like it's like any family. You're gonna have it, it your, really is. And I think head budding. Does well, that make us family? Because that sounds like us actually. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> you guys seem like you have pretty good tools though to like communicate. I mean, that's a lot of it. Is like we all believe in different things. You can't really say that someone's belief is wrong. It's like, yeah. it's what they believe. What they believe is right, because... Not always. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you deal with that when he does that to you? Uh, no, we, 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 we brawl. We, we definitely had... We, we have our heated moments, and then but we, we hug uh, and make up. Generally, I make him look bad in front of uh, the public, yeah. and then I apologize. Yeah, he's uh, okay. he's accidentally offensive, and I have well, to remind him of that. That's, call you out. Cr- that's crazy, because tonight at Accident- the Roxy... Yeah, accidentally... See, yeah, but they're opening up for a pinecone butt. <laughs> pinecone <laughs> colon. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. me and Frank on one of our episodes <laughs> literally stopped the podcast in the middle, went our separate ways for like 20, 25 minutes, and then came back and finished. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we been doing this for uh, two years now, uh, over two years. This is, uh, I don't know w- what episode this will sh- be on, but it's between, you know, it's in the 120s, nice. right? And it's it's crazy. Like, we haven't missed, I think we've taken, what, one week off in two years? Wow. One. Wow. One. That's, that's a lot of effort. And that's so, commitment. yeah, when all of our shows are uh, 90 to uh 
minutes to two hours. The thing hours is, we're just we're idiots. We are idiots. We are. We don't know any better. And uh, and then we'll do other things like go. <laughs> Sounds like passion to me. <laughs> well, no, but you know what it is like. We'll, we'll we do live events, so we we don't yeah. like to do it that often because the audio is not as good as I'd like it. I, I do like the audio snob. Yeah, but but I do think it's important to get out. Uh, he goes. He'll go to Moab. He'll go to. He'll go to all you know the LA Auto Show, Chicago. He'll go to he'll drive trucks in New Mexico that no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of inside audio. Um, I try to add color and then again get him in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we've been very very fortunate to have on the highest ranks of the automotive industry, yeah. all the way down to like club presidents, yeah. mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, yeah. new guy, a guy who won an award at SEMA Launchpad, all the way up to uh, we just had the uh, the head of Jeep North America, a good friend of mine, Jim Morrison on. We had uh, Trevor Milton from Nikola, who's the CEO of Nikola mm-hmm. on, which was an amazing interview and everything in between. Like we just, anything trucks, we love it. And, you know, obviously KC, wow, you know, historic brand. Big deal. So thanks for making the time to come down yeah, here. No, thanks for having us. I mean, um, 50, 50 years. 50 years, man. 50 years of building You family. don't look old enough. <laughs> I feel that way. <laughs> um, but that's. I think that's at the core is like you guys are, are friends. Like there's a bond there. And I think when you face challenges, like that's the most important is how you process yeah. those differences of belief. And I think Pete found a way to do it. Michael found a way to do it. And we just took all that and forged a new way to do that. And now when you guys would have those disagreements, did you handle it the same way we do where whoever's right has to kick the other one in the nuts as hard as possible? Cause what happens is we found over time is we don't like fighting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, we should use that because there's, there's more at stake there. I think than, than, than what, what we, what, what we typically have. So, um, you know, for us, like to Ollie's point at the core of it is like building great relationships. You know, that's like me and my dad, me and my brother, me yeah. and Ali. Like if you don't have that great relationship, your results will never be great. Cause ultimately who do we back our best friends? Exactly. Right? So sure. that's a huge component of what I'm really working on now is like that culture and trying to figure out how to lead by example, you know, and that goes not just at work, but I find myself a certain type of person at work where like we're implementing like performance reviews and we listen to our employees and we're trying to gauge what their engagement is like at work. Uh, I don't do any of that shit at home. Yeah. My, my son is like, comes home and he's tired from school and what do I do? I discipline through fear and yeah. like, you know. You better have your homework done. It's like, it's just so crazy when you look yeah. at that and I'm trying to close those gaps because, you know, we're all human and so it's the same model of just, hey, empathy, Understanding, yeah. Then you can tell the truth, be vulnerable, yeah. and then move forward. So no, 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 no. Just be a dick <laughs> and make them do their work. Slap long, the long yeah. hours. Hit them with the whips. Yep. Be yeah. better or leave. Yeah. yeah. There, there's plenty of other people like you who'll do this job. Oh, yeah, for half no. the price. No, yeah. no, you can't do that because no, that uh, that brings a lawsuit uh, today in today's age. Well, that and it's just the wrong thing to do. Lawsuits aside, <laughs> like you should well, treat people right. You know, the crazy thing is that I'm sure there's equal amount of companies that don't do what we do, but are successful, you yeah. know, and I think there's, there's multiple paths, but for us, it's about that. It's, it's about looking at yourself, like kind of what we talked about and being honest um, about what's in the mirror and then working on yourself first and leading by example. And, you know, we talked about this multiple times the past couple months. It's like, you know, when, when you put, when you place blame first, I mean, you've just lost all power, right? Yeah. Because but, people check out immediately. Cause they're like, I'm tired of you telling me how horrible I am. I'm out. Yeah. That. <laughs> and, and also I think when you place blame, um, you can't do anything about that. Yeah. But if you take it upon yourself to create that change, then anything's possible. Well, it's right? taking ownership, right? Yeah. You're, t- you're taking ownership. And so there's a lot of that, that we really, really, really try to try to work on. And An- I, another thing that I think that companies do all too often, I've seen this, um, all over in entertainment. It's rampant. It's awful. 
uh, not as much in automotive, but somebody in the middle of the ranks will innovate somewhere or come up with something new, and then the manager takes credit for it in the meeting. And you don't get the recognition? You get no recognition. That was awful in L.A., and in automotive, it doesn't feel as bad, no, it's but there. every person needs to get a W on the board, right? Every person mm-hmm, yeah. needs to get a win. And those wins can come in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. But when they're deprived of the wins, like, it's just an awful existence at any company. Yeah. And I think that wins, when I see a guy like Ryan Kibbe rocking your stuff, mm-hmm. and he's got hundreds of thousands of fans, that to me is a win for everyone at Casey. Whether you like Ryan or not, like to me, that's a win that everyone should know about at Casey. Mm-hmm. They're like, this guy is uh, adored for his welding and his off-road prowess and blah, blah, blah. That's something that like, I think everyone at Casey should be proud of. That this sure. guy who could go and get yep. any lights he wants sure. only runs Casey. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And we have a lot of those stories, you know, including Ollie himself. And I think that goes just goes back to the relationships. You know, some of those relationships were forged like decades ago some of them are forged now and some of them are forged because of the product and some of them are forged because of relationship like your relationship with brad or you know ryan has a good relationship with brad as well so mm-hmm. i think if brad's it's, rad yeah i mean brad's well he does have rad in his name dude. he does yeah be rad be rad you rad <laughs> yeah brad i mean brad came from icon and you know they also are a great innovator you can't call him brad anymore you have to call him be rad yeah he's been renamed yeah <laughs> i'm done here today i met him when he was at cst <laughs> oh when he was at cst okay yeah. was yeah, he so. c rad then <laughs> no, <laughs> I think the story and, and when it comes from like Michael and to us, it's just innovating, taking care of people uh, and making sure that people fire themselves if, if possible every year. I try to fire myself every day. I actually fired myself this morning from that meeting that we had, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> Did um, you leave and just and, go get donuts and, and then come and back? And then you realize that there, nobody's hiring right now and you hired yourself back? <laughs> yeah. As a different role, yeah. yeah. Um, at, at lower pay rate. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's change, you know, you just gotta, you gotta embrace the change. So when, t- taking back to when you took over, when uh, you guys have the company, and what was the first thing on your plate? What was the thing where you said, okay, well, now we're the controlling partner of, of this great brand, the storied American brand, and we know that we have brand recognition. We know that we have brand equity. Mm-hmm. We know that we probably need to get you know back to the R and D and do some of the things we've talked about or wanted to do. What was that first thing where you said, "Okay, this is the first step forward into a new a new era for Casey"? Oh, oh, oh I have a guess. I have a guess. <laughs> it, was it nightlights? Uh, was no? Was it vehicle specific fitments? No. Ah, <laughs> I like being wrong. <laughs> Tell me what I what, what, what? Hold on. Accounting. 101. Wow. <laughs> that, wait, hold on. You I, I, was, I was going to say, do you want the sexy answer? Or not? Okay, so number one, that answer sucked. And number two, you need to play the... No, you need to play the game show music because oh. it was so wrong. There we go. Counting 101. Well, I mean, that's the practical answer. I mean, it's the truth, but, yeah. um, you know, I think we had to plug some holes. We had to make some shifts. Um, that's what she said? That's what she said. <laughs> And part of that, part that of that one's going to get that, home and in trouble. Yeah, so I actually got called into HR because one, uh, just one night we were super, uh, <laughs> just super uh, punchy, mm-hmm. and he probably used it like fifteen times in oh, one show, yeah. wow. and it was like I I I got the talking to. Is it like nighttime TV where you can only show four thrusts? I, I basically, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I got to the point where the sensibilities had been uh, yeah. passed, and and he doesn't work here. 
I do, so I get in trouble for everything he does, and then that makes me mad at him, and then that's I have to kick him in the nuts. That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I love being in my position. Yeah. That's what she said. Um, oh, all right, God, you're, you're done. That's it. That's you. <laughs> See, Knocks now out. we can't Knocks use out. any of the rest of the show because he used them up all, you know. Ah. That, that's your problem. You have to come up with new ways to entertain yourself now. Nope. No. You can't. You, can. don't, touch that button. <laughs> you don't do it. All right. All right. And then, of right. course, I'll purposely say things that I know he wants to, and mm-hmm. you'll watch him tremble. <laughs> you know, you'll watch him. I gotta be like, I just need to play. Lightning. <laughs> yeah? What is wrong with you? What do you mean? <sighs> I need one of those, like, you know, when you go to the baseball game and you get the blow up bat for your kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I need that. So either that or a really solidly rolled newspaper, <laughs> or I can just reach across. No, no, and... I want the bat, but it's got that little squeaker at the end. So when you hit me, you go, I want the bat that has the nails that are oh, stuck out. Yeah, no, you can't have that. We're there now. Where do we get derailed? Talking about which Casey. part? So, Accounting well, 101. Uh, Accounting 101. Plug and holes. Alan, I'm sorry, that was a horrible answer. <laughs> Tell me, let's let's talk about innovation. So, what was the first thing you wanted to innovate? Was it the those cool billet lights? What are they called? There was yeah. a flex series. Yeah, I mean, we we so truth be told, we had already started working on that stuff before we before we took over. So, on the product and innovation side, you know. In technology, I mean, you know, we have laptops, we have software, but a lot of it is like the hardware is not so married to the software anymore. So if something happens, the cloud will save you. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, a lot of our product has has that DNA where we wanted to create stuff that was modular. We wanted to create stuff where people could buy and reuse and build on. And so Flex LEDs, which looks like kind of that rail thing you're talking about. That's it. Um, yep. They link together, you know, that type of thing. You can you can switch out the color rings. You can you know. make it how however uh, long you want it. Correct. So if you need a, a 48-inch, <laughs> a 72-inch. Uh, like, That's uh, what she said. No, you can't. There's no more. I'm going to take the computer away from you for the rest of the show. All right. Do I, do I need to call mom? We should apologize. <laughs> we are deeply sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Let's hope that was enough. We're sorry that this is our last episode of the Truck Show Podcast before it all ends uh, it here. Ends. Yeah. Congratulations on being on our final and, episode. And guys. Glad to be it. That was a great show. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys later. It's not no. actually over no. yet. Oh, I'm just trying oh. to impress upon. Can we get back to Don't our play the outro yet? We can never have people back I in the studio. I think we only went like the half of the history so far. So. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> the product side, it, it was the Flex, and then uh, we also have our flagship, another flagship product, um, the Gravity Pro 6 Bar, which are the circular rings. Yeah, that that's also modular. Um, it also it also pivots, so you can that's radius. A, that is a parts sexy That kind of changed the game, though, yeah. didn't it? I mean, that was like the first interconnected... Big light. Big light yeah. on yeah. top of the rig, yeah. where before people were just mounting them on like a crossbar, yeah. and now it's and, like... Yeah, they yeah. didn't interconnect. They a were system. like, oh, do you need four or five? But now, all of a sudden, you could almost build... I don't want to say light bar, the but a, cu- ring. a custom rig mm-hmm. that fit exactly what your needs were. Yeah. And now you had this massive light output and you didn't need to stack 47 light bars because you just had, you know, <laughs> all, the, all the gravity pros all lined up. Yeah, right. no, it's true. And and yeah, so they radius, They you can link more onto them. Um, if you buy a new vehicle, you can take it off and take rings off. Uh, so there's a, there's a ton of use cases for that, yep. right? So that's that's pretty cool. I actually um, have them as the recessed lights in my living room. <laughs> in a circular like yeah, chandelier. It's a, it's a little be, harsh. Yeah, it might be a little overkill. Yeah, a little bit. You yeah. walk in and you want to do surgery, but... It, it, I mean, might, it <laughs> might get hot like it is in here. Dude, that's, yeah. kind, of, that's kind of a black. cool idea. If we ever get a bigger spot, we need a Gravity Pro 6 chandelier. We, yeah. wanted, we almost we built one. one. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. So both of those items, those products were, were things that... I mean, when we took over... 
I think halogen was probably 90% of our business. And today, LED is 80% of our, 85% of our business. So, that I much. mean, in five years, it's, it's shifted quite a bit. So let's talk about uh, LED lights for a second. So obviously, uh, there's a lot of competition in LED lights, but quality is not the same. And whether you're using a, uh, a Philips, a Cree, wh- whoever is doing the LED di- uh, light-emitting diode chip, there's different grades that come out of the manufacturing process. I don't know mm-hmm. if a lot of people understand that. And so you have, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F. And a lot of the overseas light bars that are cheap are using the cheapest grade of LED chip. But to get the light output and the efficiency, any of the quality companies have to basically uh, compete against each other to get the best lot of the LED chips. How does that work for you to get enough supply and to get the quality you need to have the end product be you know, what you're expecting of it. I mean, the simple part of it is just we use name brands like a Philips or a Nichia or a, you know, Cree, right? Um, that's a big part of it. I mean, there are a lot of LED light bar companies in China. They use LED diodes that are made by some random factory. Rando. Uh, r- yeah, Rando. Rando, <laughs> Rando LEDs. Uh, and, that, and that is huge. I mean, that's, that, there's a huge price difference between that. And, and a lot of it's in the manufacturing that these, these bigger, well-known brands, manufacturers, like their quality and they, what they produce. So that's a big part of it. Um, but there's also binning. So within a family of LEDs, like Intel has chips, there's different bins, there's different color temperatures, there's, there's a variety of factors. So for us, we pr- predominantly use those three brands. Um, LumaLeds, which is Philips, and then Cree, which a lot of people, you go to Home Depot yep. and buy Cree. Cree, Cree House, Yeah, yep. Cree. Um, and Nichia. So um, that, that's a big part of it. A lot of like what, like we're talking about our Pro 6 lights uh, in the Gravity family. I mean, we use, we use a different technology. So we're like shining the light back into the big reflector, just like the old school style. Whereas a lot of, a lot of like China light bars, um, they're just using small little buckets and then you just face the LED forward, uh, forward on a board and you're done type and, of thing. And hope you have an optic that's going to do something useful. Correct. I mean, uh, I've had LED lights where <clears throat> we've done magazine projects where I have literally turned on a light bar and could not see better. <laughs> like in Moab at night going down a black road. I'm like, cool, I'm going to use my light bar for the first time. And I'm like, is it even – get out oh. of the – the only way I could tell is there were shadows in the trees right. of of the right. the hoop in the front, right? right. And the, out, the output was awful. The output was just like – it was so scattered and unfocused that none of those lumens were usable. They were right. just firing this amount of lumens out there. Right. And then, you know, they did have an optic. But the optic wasn't great, obviously. Right. And I was one of those, I, I think that's one of those times where I became disenchanted with the light bars, where I'm like, man, I've, again, I've had these HID KCs on my Ranger that could cut through darkness like a light that I can be driving 90 miles an hour in Baja and I'm not outrunning two lights on my bumper. Mm-hmm. And here I have this on my Jeep and I'm going 40 miles an hour down a back road and it, it doesn't even look like my brights Screening are on. Your eyes, yeah. yeah. Honestly, like you, I think you guys brought this up. I mean, for some people, that actually is okay. I mean, they're not really yeah. needing to see anything. Sure. Um, it's It might be for jewelry. But, yeah, most of our lights are designed with distance in mind. With the gravity, actually, you know, a 50-inch bar that we have in the gravity series is actually half the wattage of most 50-inch uh, really. light bars. Because we're actually, with the gravity, we can do more with, with, with such a big kind of reflector bowl. You know, we can do a lot more with a lot less. So, that, in that's, general... That's great, by the way, for somebody who maybe doesn't have a dual battery system. And they want right. to have a lot of lights. And your exactly. alternator yep. is stock in... There's only so much energy that your alternator can output before it starts drawing on the batteries. So Correct. we've done project vehicle builds where it was like, oh, we put every light on it. You turn it on and the, the vehicle starts running rough. You realize, oh, 
I'm not I'm outpacing right. the electrical system. So right. having the ability to have half the wattage means that you can have more light output uh, and, and not tax your factory electrical Is system. That, yeah. I think a lot of people just think they can strap a ton of LEDs on their on their vehicle and it's not going to consume that much uh, current. But they can and often do. Yeah, correct. They can and often do. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the quality of electrical layout on the board. I mean, I know it sounds boring, but someone's designing that the electrical circuit. And so just like when you're building a vehicle with the engine, I mean, there's a lot of overhead. And depending on who's building that vehicle, you might be misusing or mis directing certain things and so it could the amp draw could be significantly more if the electrical layout is not good um there's a number of factors but led as a whole does draw a lot less amp draw like you know versus a 100 watt halogen you know sure. what i mean um but it also puts out a lot of heat you know yeah, that, well, that would it, be the other misconception well, they, guys think that they they, they don't, don't. Hot, but well, they the do. problem is is they put a lot of heat back to the heat sink they don't mm-hmm. put a lot of heat forward. So guys who live in snowy climates sometimes don't have enough heat to heat the, the ice or the snow right. off the lenses. And so the misconception is, oh, these don't run as hot. Well, why is there a giant heat sink in the back? Well, that's because where the chip and all the electronics are, yeah. all right. that heat's on the back side of the light, not on the front side of the light where you might be picking up ice when you're driving or snow or things yep. like that. It, LEDs draw less energy. And it's especially yeah. like important these days with uh, electric vehicles coming, uh, coming to the foreground mm-hmm. of the automotive industry. like. You kind of want to be there, and I think we've done a really good job of yeah. getting there. Yeah, and, and it's lucky be- we're lucky because we've taken what we've been good at, which is optical design, at its highest level within optical design. You know, like designing the smaller little cups. That's everyone can do that, and that's why there's so much of that trend at SEMA because it's easy to do. You know, the the board layouts and stuff. That's that's easier to do. A lot of the 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 traditional reflector design, you only see uh, companies that have been around for a long time do stuff stuff like that. Players like Pia, like Chucklight, um, because it really takes uh, an optical engineer with a lot of experience to do some of those things, especially for street legal SAE or DOT type stuff. So, um, but we, to be honest with you, we we Bobby and I sacrificed um, a lot of I would say traditional kind of ways that you should design products from a mechanical standpoint, from a um, electrical standpoint, to favor aesthetics and these crazy ass concepts that we had not being in automotive traditionally and just coming from IT, Bobby came from import cars and exhaust and just stuff. Just a completely different thought process. Totally different thought process and totally ignorant and just willing to take chances and say, why the f- can't we do this, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you look at the Flex or the Pro 6 with the rings connecting, I mean, any engineer would tell you this is like stupid to do, but <laughs> yet here we are, you know. <laughs> and, and, and So are you know. able to, I guess, uh, so obviously I'm familiar with the product, but not from an install standpoint. So mm-hmm. are you able to daisy chain them together and then there's a, a, a master harness that goes? How does that work when you're trying to scale up or scale down because of the modularity of the product? That's exactly, in a nutshell, that's that's what it is. It's um, With the Flex, there's actually a built-in linker. Um, so there's like a like a linker that physically links them, and then there's a jumper cable that that jumps the power across, so you can still have one cable at the end. What's the maximum that you can have in a row? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then on the Pro Six, it's um, essentially uh, harnesses for like four, five, six, okay. seven, eight. Like so, as you connect lights, you'll just buy it, the new harness, the new harness that for it. accommodates that. So which is probably better because it's easier to keep the quality control across it rather than having individual you know, having to get into the housing or more connectors yeah. on the lights, things like that. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think what makes us us today is is our focus on people, our focus on always not just creating performance, but creating some aesthetic flair that 
upholds the KC brand, you know, and tradition. So I think a lot of it is like drawing from tradition and upholding those while like forging new paths, both how it looks, how it functions and how it performs. So, yeah. so what's the future? So uh, there's companies that are even on the, in the OE world working on and aftermarket working on laser lights. So mm-hmm. lasers is, are, are something that's becoming popular, uh, at least a buzzword mm-hmm. in the lighting community. Yep. Uh, and then also OE applications. You guys have some competitors that have managed to get on some OE programs. Mm-hmm. What interests you and, and is laser is that the next big thing in lighting or is there something else that that we're not hearing about yet no i I think laser is a great technology i mean it is the next advancement in lighting um we haven't found a great practical use for it given how much it costs sure we've built prototypes it just it just doesn't make sense yet there's also some would you say you've built Lights with lasers. Lasers. We, we were all <laughs> thinking that. I know. I had. I had to. We're all thinking that. I want none of us with freaking lasers on there. <laughs> we were all refraining, and you finally did it. You thought it the first time you I, said laser, yeah, and then you didn't do it, and then you right. waited. But how are you getting you mad at me? You just played your drop twenty-seven times in this sh- this episode. <laughs> I think it's just cheap. I just think it's <laughs> cheap. Low, you think that's low? Yeah. <laughs> <I> do. <laughs> okay. I do. Hey, so explaining uh, explain to us how. A laser system would work because it's not like a laser pointer at all. Correct. You mean when your co-host is driving behind you on the freeway and hits you in the mirror with the laser and gets you right in the <laughs> eyes while you're driving? Don't, don't know story. what you're talking about. I'm, I'm just asking if that's what you're referring to. Nope, I'm not referring to that at all. <laughs> that never happened. Uh-huh. So the laser is actually pretty complicated and you have to develop, like LEDs right now, there's a whole package. Like the LED, there's a diode, everything's like the, the, the chip fab is all done. It's a package. You take it and you can put it on a board. The laser has multiple components, and one of the challenges right now is that you have to take the laser, you have to combine it with phosphorus, and then there's a whole process, and you have to reflect it, right? So there are and reflected in a way that it's not going to damage somebody's eyesight, right? And that's that's uh, what I was going to mention before is there there's some regulation, but but with it's laser. not that I guess that's the, the confusion when we hear laser headlights. The laser's not pointing forward like a la- no, no. It's no. the laser is activating phosphorus, well, right. and the glow right. of the phosphorus right. reflects out but in the you, opposite direction. Well, that's one way of making a laser light, right? So okay. like there, I think you could probably take a beam and have some really Reflect an optic, it. yeah, an optic that is super irresponsible and probably cause a lot right. of damage like well the other thing is like if someone opens up the light so one of the considerations um that our team has you mean like my co-host <laughs> possibly <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were thinking that there, there's definitely Maybe. some liability there you know sure. but um but it's it's definitely a very concentrated amount of light uh and we've we've done some tests and there's a number of companies that do it. Some of it is locked up in IP. There's intellectual property, like where they can't sell automotive. So there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of interesting. It's like this frontier of this technology. So, but there's it's it's definitely something that's up and coming. Um, we haven't found a practical use for it. Um, people don't really outrun LED lights most of the time. Yeah, so, right. you know, I think in race applications. Um, Possibly in some other industries, you know, maybe aviation. I mean, there's some industries that I think could benefit from it, but we're just kind of keeping it on our periphery right now. Um, I mean, the reality is, is the LED technology hasn't been fully tapped out yet either. We haven't reached the peak of that one, you know, like I would agree as with far that. as it in general. 
And I think there's still some innovation and some improvements that can be made yeah, on I mean, the current technology. It, that's a good point. I mean, just like with computers, it's like they went from one chip on one board to multi-core on yeah. one, you know. So I think there's there's a lot of opportunity there for LEDs as well. Um, but it's just cool. I have a laser. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> I got lasers. Yeah. I got freaking lasers. Um, <laughs> but and so it's packaging as well, right? New ways of packaging, which is what you guys are doing. Yeah. You're packaging la- the the, I well, said laser. the LEDs <laughs> yeah. in different in ways. module you know modular setups. Yes, it goes back to an earlier conversation that we had, which is how to get new audience members, how to get new fans, mm-hmm. and it's 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 packaging. It's yep. packaging your great technology in a new way. So I've got everything you sell, right? And I am a KC fan. I'm just tapped out. I'm like, well, I'm still a fan. I still click on the lights when I go to Johnson Valley, but. I, there's nothing more for me to buy until you release something new. Correct. And so for us, I think um, back to kind of what Ollie was talking about, you know, family for us, we work on our people, right? But that extends out to our ambassadors, to, you know, the way we work with even full parts or like sure. our, our customers, it's it's based on trust. It's based on, you know, just empathy, understanding vulnerability and being able to have that relationship so that we can actually generate results. But for us, it's getting out and adventuring further, right? So we've got a roof rack now that, you know, really is centered around lighting. So it's a 360 degree lit um, roof rack. So for Say us- Say what? Yeah, it's it's pretty badass. It's, it is badass. Oh, you haven't heard about the MRAC? No. In fact, I think Where Jason Gonderman installed that on his Raptor. Right. And I think that's in the four-wheeler and truck trend. Yep. Since when did Jason get a, a Raptor? <laughs> How long has Jason had a Raptor? Trends. A few years. Yeah, he, what? he bought a used uh, 6.2 uh, first gen in Arizona, I don't know, a couple years ago. Hmm. Huh. 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 I guess I need to call Jason for a ride. <laughs> just, okay. I'm just saying. Lightning's yeah. in the dark, huh? <laughs> need some KCs? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, it's like roof racks with lighting. And I think the KC brand and our team and our culture now is like just getting people out. So I think we are looking to develop product to help get people out. And for us, it's always going to have a lighting component for the most part. But I think sky's the limit for us. You know, I think KC has been around, been a trusted brand. I think the people are all at the company because they believe in the culture of helping other people and helping people remember that as as much as technology helps us, you know, it's really great to get in the sun. And yeah, oh, yeah. Get yeah. out and light a fire, you know, and, and, Absolutely. and, and throw back some drinks Bourbon. and be with the kids. and Cigar. And I think it comes full circle back to KC has become a tradition for us, right? And I think we're trying to build more tradition. Well, what products do we need to do that? You know, it's like Ollie said, he has two sons. I have two sons and I want to build those traditions with my dad and my brothers and and my kids. And I mean, traditions is what really makes our culture. The memories that will shape their lives, you know, in their future and what they're going to relate to their friends and say, oh, well, my dad used to take me to like Anza Borrego for like these crazy overland trips that he used to like. Totally. Forced me to go on. Going back to the story of how I got on, got on with KC, well, I think one of the biggest things, which was, I didn't know at the time, but it was kind of like my uh, my audition for KC was uh, the summer camp event. Oh, the okay. first one, yeah. right? And uh, summer camp was just an opportunity that I had when I was still at 511, where I'm like, hey, what if I got 511 and I got KC and we came together? And, you know, 511 ended up not fully like diving in, but KC went in head first. And we had one of the most amazing events I've been part of, which is we had like, you know, 60 of our family members come out to Arizona and we working with like Sony Fieldcraft Survival, uh, Tempo Tusk, Camp Chef, uh, Camp Chef mm-hmm. you know, North American mm-hmm. Rescue. All awesome we, people, by the way. Shimano. So we had we had like fishing. We had survival. We had overland courses. We had amazing food like, you know, Alan awesome. cooked. I cooked like it was a lot of the Casey staff like giving back to our 
community, our group. And it was like, it was an opportunity for um, people like Brad and Marco to come out with like Jordan and Nick and Jillian and, you know, Adam from up north with his boys. And, you know, just everyone came together and we had this like awesome time just to like give back to them. And uh, and it ended up being something we're like, you know what, we're going to do this every year. And mm -hmm. so what ended up happening is now we are planning, you know, the second one this year and we're actually going to open it up a little bit through our contest to bring some people out and this is not a shameless plug it's just what we're doing um do you have a sound clip for that shameless no. plug <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> um, but we should yeah um but no i mean it's it's turning into something where we're really truly focused and doing our best to just give back to the community and build this sense of adventure because i think at the end of the day casey's moving from just being that lighting company and forget the racks but we're becoming an adventure brand. What are some of the activations? What are some of the places coming up that you guys are going to be at where fans can come and meet you and see next, the product Next person? week, dude, we're all going camping. <laughs> Sadly not. Who saw this coming, right? Yeah. I I mean, we were talking earlier. I you know, I bought a new Jeep, and I yeah. haven't seen it. And I made my first payment. Your JL? Yeah. yeah. Made my first payment, and I bought it back in January. <laughs> wow, and I'm like, so I sweet. really want to go camping right now. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, from that standpoint, it sucks. Like having, um, you know, our, our overland stuff get pushed back yep. fortunately not canceled right. um all the things that we love to do uh just getting out and getting the summer season the summer yeah. season Dude, of being out with people everything we're looking forward to doing right like yeah. easter jeep safari for crying out loud like i mean that, that would hurt yeah. that is probably you know in, in the 20 years plus that i've been in this industry that is the one event that is a non-discussion you know point i will not miss ejs yeah, I know. and that one hurt. I think it's going to come back before people are now starting to freak, and there there are going to be a lot of rebels that I mean, like Havasu, for example. Mm -hmm. there, there are people taking their boat out, and yeah. there are a lot of people. Yeah, but here's the deal: there are There's a lot of people like, here that are like, "Oh, you you guys are you should yeah. be out." Dude, of that. Did you see the beach you. last weekend? Here, here's that, I, 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 I live uh, at the beach. Stop, oh, stop, no, stop, no, stop. no, 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 no. I, I get this talk. one. I get, I get this one. I get this one. Here's the deal. Yeah, it's the freaking beach. And if you look, I live in Huntington. Yes. And the police department posted, okay, so our local news posted this photo of a compressed long lens showing me it look like there's a million people touching each other on the beach. <laughs> when you look, when you look at <laughs> for printing that photo I know. at the drones or the photos from above, everybody is social distance. The H, uh, Huntington Beach Police Department put out a tweet saying, thank you for everybody who came. Right. We, we put out announcements every 10 minutes. Everybody was super respe respectable, responsible. People stayed away from each other. And by the way, it's outside. Like at some point, people need to get out and recreate. Dude, Open things up. For sure. It's time to look at the real data and quarantine the sick people and let the, the healthy people get back to it. And listen, if you have to wear a mask for a while longer and social distance, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's time for all of us to, to get back to it and, and not believe the, I feel like the hysteria and the hype is like the politicians put themselves in a corner because we didn't know in the beginning how bad it was or, or wasn't. And they, over, they were overcautious. And now the data's coming in, they can't back themselves out and go, okay, well maybe it's not, because you're still, uh, listen, you don't want to get it. It's nasty. But it's not as bad as what you know. I think people thought that it was going to be. So sure. it's like we. It's time to recreate. It's time for us to all be able to get out into the world. And it's outdoors. Like it's just. All right, it. we're gonna all gonna you make go. a checklist. Yeah, and we're check going twice. to buy a set of Casey's. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, and then we're gonna go wherever Holman goes. That's <laughs> no. what we're gonna do. Is that you're, why? We're all gonna I, camp with you. I'm walking. 
<laughs> I don't have anything right now. The That's first, right. t- first time in like decades, I haven't had my Jeep. I like, just, like I said, rub it in. Sad. Well, we can get a Nissan. We'll borrow a Nissan. <laughs> we can do that. Okay, okay. They'll, t- they'll take care of us. All right. I just want to get back out in the world. Can we make a little collab event? A little KC yeah. Truck Show podcast collab? Yeah. Go go head out and uh, and find some awesome camping spot. Can yeah. we uh, turn it into like a cleanup too? And you know, absolutely. Yeah, clean up my attitude, my language. <laughs> Your sound clips. Your yeah. professionalism. That too. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty likely they're going to start easing up. I think yeah. even the, the governor. Even today, there's a lot of news yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, there's as far trails, as like. There's trails that are open still. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, through this whole time, I think there was. There was trail, BLM, I mean, there you could people, go, yeah. but you couldn't You couldn't camp in certain right. spots. You couldn't. None, none of the uh, improved campgrounds were open. You could go BLM. You could go mm-hmm. primitive in California anyway, but yeah. in certain parts of Utah, you couldn't even do primitive. So mm-hmm. it just depends on what part of the country that you're in. But it's it's time. It's yeah. time to let us uh, let us everybody. Well, I'll tell you what, though. All I know is I don't want to go through this shit again. No. Mm-hmm. At all. No. At all. I'm done. Like, I don't <laughs> want to be, like, locked in my house for <sighs> three months again. And Yeah. You know, I realized, you know, actually I've become a lot better as a full-time dad, but I was a really good part-time dad. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had to become a full-time dad and teacher and, you know, yeah. employee. It's a lot of work. That I, that I realized, you know, I had a lot of work to do. Yeah. So a lot of that work's been done now, which is great. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think, you know, I can definitely see us, you know, especially on my team, you know, a lot of us working, maybe doing it in shifts. Like you were talking about, Alan, where mm-hmm. it's like. Three days on, two days at home, or whatever it is. Like for you guys, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be seven days. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> seven days at home. Yeah, yeah like, well, well, like so Kevin, what, didn't someone? One of Kevin and Bean worked remotely like all the time. Bean, didn't he? it was Bean. Oh yeah, really? Bean, yeah, Bean uh, did yeah. it all the time. Bean was remote. Do that. Yeah, for, for dude, he was decades. on like an oh, island wow. or something, dude. They, they did it together for thirty years. years. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Out of 30, 30 years, twenty of them. Bean Correct. was remote. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's probably when I stopped listening to radio. Was when I feel like the golden years of yeah. K Rock was over. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was listening with, to. I think the final straw was, you know, I think Ralph and yeah. you know had left, and I don't know, I don't keep up with the news, but it's like yeah. when there was that, not that, there was no reason. There was a golden era of of Lightning, Kevin, yes. Bean, Big Tad, Ralph, I mean, it was basically Adam Crowley, Ricky, 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 Ricky Rockman. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, it was good when Lightning, Lightning was alive. You yeah. know. <laughs> so funny story, and uh, we were on a trip together at the bar. And he's like, he his old Instagram handle was K Rock's Lightning, and I'm like, dude, you gotta change that. He goes, I know, I just can't think of what it's gonna be, but I'm like, just call it R.I.P. Lightning. So he did, <laughs> and 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 so we go to bed, right? And I'm just going through my Instagram feed, and I see LBC Lightning show up, and I'm like, dude, you couldn't even be R.I.P. Lightning for like an hour. And he goes, I just felt bad if my kids saw it. That's true. That that is absolutely true. I didn't want them to see like it's, dad's dead. You no, know what's yeah. funny you know? is is there's certain things with him. And, you know, he's basically become my, my work wife, I guess, mm-hmm. right? And it's funny because there's certain things with him that he just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, the amount of stuff that he will put himself through or do, but then there's, like, you find one little thing that's against his whole, like, psyche, and it's like, nope, I'm out. Yep. I can't do it. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's like, it, it's the breaking point is instant. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a it's very weird with me because I've slathered my whole body in barbecue sauce. Yeah. You know, I run around wearing a uh, pumpkin in a Seven Eleven. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to stick your unit in a uh, pool jet. I was basically <laughs> naked with meat strapped around me, running from pit bulls because it was uh-huh. running of the bulls, uh-huh. right? Pit bulls, right? But and you couldn't be R.I.P. Lightning for more than an hour on Instagram. Just, you know, when it, when it comes to your kids, things just you know it gets weird. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that that was the last time I think I listened to radio. That's probably the last thing I remember. 
You're one of many. Yeah. I started a Facebook group called the Kevin and Bean Social Club. Mm -hmm. So if you are listening and you're from L.A. and you don't know about it, it's on Facebook, Kevin and Bean Social Club, and it's growing very fast. And your old favorites have checked in to that uh, fan page. Very cool. Yes. Many of the morning show members have checked in and said hi, and the people on the page are like freaking out. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Kevin, Ralph, uh, the Armenian comedian, Big Tad, Lightning's active on there. Yeah, quite a few. And- but kind of the common thread is a lot of people bailed yeah. when Ralph and Lisa were jettisoned. Yeah. And uh, I guess if you're not from L.A., this is – you're like, what are they yeah, talking about? Yeah, what are they about? talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, but you guys were nationally syndicated. <laughs> no, no. Kevin and Bean were on in in, uh, in Fresno and oh, okay. Frisco for a little while, but never anything east of the Oh, Rockies. no way. I didn't know that. I, I thought I, it was like I, national, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought it was oh. national. No. Mm-mm. Oh, I guess you're not that big of a deal. <laughs> 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 All right, that's where we ended, right there. Thanks, guys, for coming in. So, so he has to change his handle back to R.I.P. Lightning. <laughs> Damn straight. I'm going to start a new Instagram called R.I.P. Lightning. It'll be one of those ones that's like a celebrity spoof well, one. Yeah, <laughs> well, if you maintain it. I mean, I've got... It doesn't have the blue seal next to it. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm down for the trip, that's man. Funny. If, if yeah, you guys want to get together, yeah. I think... Uh, you know, like like what Ollie said about summer camp. It's um, maybe when I get well, you guys are invited home. to that. For yeah, sure. that that thing yeah. was just awesome. It sounds I mean, badass. It was like a second chance at going back to the golden era of like going to camp, being nervous about who's going to go. Especially, you know, with the family members, they don't. I don't know that they all know each other, but there's personalities and yeah. stuff. And dude, by the end of it, everyone was like one family, and that. That's what solidifies those relationships. Like you build those, and they're like lifelong relationships. And that's the beauty of summer camp. Is like. It's not about like companies bringing like a easy up. It's yeah. bring something valuable yeah. as a human, you know, and just disconnect for a week. And we're hoping to expand it, expand it in years to yep. include families and kids because we really want it to be like the next generation of summer camp. Well, yeah. we where you actually camp learn too, shit. Bro. You know, an, you know, an event was successful when it feels like summer camp is over. Yeah, yeah. that's how you know. Yeah. No, yeah. you know it's successful when two people from work hook up in a tent. <laughs> Did that happen? If it did, I didn't know, and I don't want to know. No, so. All right, so uh, find out more at uh, kchighlights.com or uh, on social at kchighlights, and that's uh, K-C-H-I-L-I-T-E-S. And uh, you guys, you'll you want to follow these guys. And, uh, dude, thanks for uh, jumping no, in, thanks, man. man. No, awesome. we'd love to see you guys again and uh, on a trip if we can. Yeah. Summer camp, I mean, keep in touch. And Yeah, and, you know, we've – if anyone wants an opportunity to come to summer camp, we have opened up an opportunity for the average person to come out, which is our um, big adventure further giveaway, which is pretty massive. And we actually have some people signing on to like give away even more stuff right. around it. And uh, yeah, kchighlights.com forward slash kc5050. And uh, come check it out. Send us pictures of you adventuring or your past adventures and uh, get a chance to win. Come out hang. Thank you, guys. No, no thank, thank you. you. It was Appreciate awesome. It. Alan and Ollie, thanks for putting up with us for, I don't know, what, eight or anytime. nine hours now? You guys I'm close, are right. so anytime you need filler, I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, if you guys have uh, new products or anything like that coming out, be sure to keep us in the loop. Oh, yeah, we'll we will. Back. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. We are deeply sorry. <laughs> I figured I needed one more. We are sorry. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Holman, the word on the street is that you have some truck news. Is that correct? Uh, I also have a truck news guest if he picks up his phone. Really? Let's get into it. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh, oh that was amazing. That was one of the better ones we've done in a while. Synchronicity. Man, was... police, eat your heart out. That, that was solid.
That all was right. solid. All right. Uh, Who are we calling? What our, are we doing? Our ginger friend. Oh, Jordan Mobauer. Yeah. We uh, he's got some news for us, so I figured we will call. <laughs> hey, did he was he upset that we uh, said his last name because he was just Jordan from Daytona Truck Meet forever, and yeah, then, and then we, we started, started saying Jordan no, 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 Mobauer. No, no. And he's like, he was upset because I said, uh, "Hey, I saw your news today," mm-hmm. and by the way, blew him off on a phone call this weekend because I was too busy. <laughs> and I said, uh, "I'll make it up to you if you want to come on the podcast tonight." And he goes, uh, "Okay, great, yeah, I'd love to talk about it." I said, "Okay, I'll call you." He goes, "About what time?" I go, ah, "I don't know, ninety minutes, two hours." He goes. Dude, I'm on the East Coast. I'm already in bed. I'm like, take a 90 minute nap. We'll call you. Yeah. So uh, right now might be a little late for him, yeah. but uh, yeah, whatever. Dial. Okay. No, it's tomorrow for him. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you feel so sinister. I do. I don't think he believed me. He's not answering. Nah, he will. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> He's selling logs right now. Come on, Jordan. Uh-oh. It's going to go to voicemail. It's going to go to voicemail. Oh, no. Hello. This is Jordan with Truck Fever LLC. I'm not at my phone right now, but if you leave me a brief message and your phone number, I'll be sure to get back to you at my very first opportunity. Thank you, and have a blessed day. You should wake up and answer the phone because, oh, don't mind us, us podcast guys, just giving you some exposure for your big truck show that has new dates and stuff. You know, why don't you give us a call on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105, and uh, we'll decide if uh, if we call you back. Yeah, what he said. See ya. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> we love Jordan. We're uh, we're just funning. This is still on his. Oh, we're still uh, on? Yeah, still oh, on. Oh, I haven't oh, hung up on hang him Hang up, douchebag. Why? What are we just going to... Yeah, he can hear the rest of the show. All right, let's do the rest of the truck news. <laughs> no, he doesn't deserve nope. that. Okay. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Hang up. All right, you hung up now? Oh, yeah, there we go. Your phone makes all kinds of noise. No, it's not up. the phone. It's the... Uh, the, the connection? The, the connection or the Got board. It. Something's... Uh, Something's wonky in Techland. Well, should we give out the details? Daytona Truck Meet has been postponed because of uh, the friendly COVID-19. Oh, I don't think that's friendly at all. Not at all? No, mm. not even a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it's been postponed, but it's now Labor Day weekend, <gasps> which you know it's going to be a party. party. Yes, it is. Oh, hot damn. That mall that is right next to the uh, Daytona <laughs> Oh, you mean Speedway? the one that had the massive, uh, the massive truck show in it after hours? Do you remember we, uh, we ate dinner with Jordan, yeah, his family, bought, and bought his dinner, business yep. partner? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, some good pizza, by the way, at that joint. And then we walked over to the mall and we're like, yeah, we're going to crash out because we're tired. And then, nope, there's no way. It's just a sea of trucks taking over this entire and, outdoor uh, mall. And also police uh, police vehicles. Yeah, but they weren't busting many people. It no, they are hanging cool. out. Yeah, they, was, I think they wanted to see the uh, see it also. It was chill. Huh. Huh. Okay, so Labor Day weekend. What is that, September 5 through 8, something like that? I don't know, something like that. I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jordan, if you were on the show, you could actually, uh, you know, give us the official word rather than us just making it up for you. Yeah, you could talk about the event with some specificity. Uh, talk about making bad business decisions right there. <laughs> he got he, uh, he 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 got involved with us, and now we're uh, ruining his event. Yeah, we are dragging th- him down. Do you think he's just blaming it on COVID, or let's, do you think it was us? Hey, let's call back. Do you want to call back? Yeah, yeah, let's call back because his phone is probably on vibrate, so it's gonna be like. Dzz, dzz. You know, he woke up with like one eye and he like, John, you know, the jaundice eye looked over at the nightstand. And he's like, F you guys. (laughs) 
Hello, this is Jordan with Truck Fever LLC. I'm not at my phone right now, but if you leave me a brief message and your phone number, I'll be sure to get back to you at my very first opportunity. Thank you and have a blessed day. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Fabulous. Outstanding. Wonderful. Terrific. Good morning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good morning. Call us back. 657-205-6105. Later. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. Oh, he hates us. Yeah, he does. Do you think he hates us a lot or just a little bit? Just a little bit. I think it's a love-hate thing. I think it's mostly hate. I think he loves to hate. Yeah, he might. <laughs> hey, did you see our uh, our buddy uh, Jonathan Ward over at Icon uh, 4x4 made a uh, 1970 Ford F100 Ranger 4x4 into one of his awesome one-off reformer vehicles. No, I did not see that. I have a bus. But I, can I just tell, like that. I can tell by your excitement, though, because you go like eight octaves up. Uh, You're like, did was, you see that? He's got a uh, five liter in it. A five liter what? Coyote. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. Solid axle. It's a uh, short wide, so it's a uh, regular cab short box. Okay. Just just like mine, but a little taller. All right. Uh, solid axles in the uh, in the front and rear, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous looking. You gonna you gonna show me? I don't know if I don't know if you deserve it. <laughs> I don't know. Really? I can't even see a photo. Look at that. Oh, she a beaut. Uh, it's like uh, like uh, gold over cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I don't know if it's Wimbledon white, maybe. I love those uh, the steely wheels and the big, but they're big steelies. I don't know if they're twenty two five. No, they're not that big. They're okay. probably like twenties or something like that. We should uh, we should call Jonathan Ward uh, maybe in the next show or something and see if he wants to talk about it because uh, it's uh, that thing is a beauty with a five liter in that thing. Mm. It's got to move. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I drove one of his Broncos with a five liter in it, and it was uh, pretty sweet. That is the uh, homepage of uh, icon4x4.com? Uh, it's on the homepage of fourwheeler.com. Oh, okay. So if you uh, want to check it out, go to fourwheeler.com. Uh, it's got a uh, twin stick transfer case, a Dana 44 front, Dana 60 rear, Fox shocks, Eibach coil springs at all four corners. Wow. No leaves in the back. I mean, thing just what so kind of beautiful. fab did he have to do on the rear end to pull that off? Uh, it's linked, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I, obviously. So, I mean, we should, we should call them. It's also got, it uh, looks like 18s. They're 18-inch aluminum wheels. Wait, hold on a second. They look yep. way bigger nope. than 18s. They're Flip BFGs that around on again. 18s. There's and, no way. And what's cool about it is he does this on the Bronco where he has had an aluminum wheel machine to look like the Steelys. It well, is so badass. insane. They look much bigger than an 18. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to him, see if he wants to uh, uh, come on the show again yeah. because Do that. I, I'd, love to, uh, I'd love to deep dive into this thing. Okay. All right, uh, moving right along, uh, did you hear that FCA? No. Oh, okay. All right, well, that's it. Show <laughs> over. Go ahead. Sorry, FCA what? No, it's not important anymore. <laughs> no, it is. Fiat Chrysler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what? Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. I won't interrupt you this time. Just please go. Apparently, there was a trademark filed by a certain company that makes a really, uh, really good full-size truck, and they made me uh, getting into the... Uh, Midsize space. So if you're uh, taking score at home, there is only one truck manufacturer out of all the uh, full-size truck makers that does not have a midsize. So Ram with a midsize. Yep. So it looks like the, they filed a trademark um, on the Dakota name. And uh, Wait so, a minute. Didn't they already own it? Well, it hasn't been around for so long, so I'm guessing it probably lapsed. Oh, and they're uh, they're either protecting it just because they want to have it in their in their portfolio. You'll know that 
Ford had that problem with some of their vehicles bringing back Futura. They couldn't because there was a tire company, and uh, they had to bring it back as the Fusion. Dude, a dude that I work with down in Tustin, California, bought IROC. No way. Yeah, owns IROC. He owns International Race of Champions? Yes, sir, IROC. As far as the, yeah, so what? if you want to go build an IROC, an IROC? you yeah. got to call him. Wow. Dude's like 24 years old. He's like, yeah, we're going to make parts that, uh, you know, look vintage and whatnot. I'm like, and he how got did you that? get it? Yeah, it lapsed. Wow. Yeah. Well, crazy. All you people sitting on Dakota, you missed out because uh, <laughs> FCA has it now. So, uh, so yeah, so the guess is that uh, there could be a Dakota midsize in Ram's future. So we'll hmm. see. Uh, wh- what will it be based on is what I'm curious. What if, and I this is totally not even an embargo. I have no idea. This is me totally just guessing and shooting out of my butt right now. But mm-hmm. what if you took the Gladiator chassis? And you put a mid-sized Dakota on top of that. So for somebody who doesn't need the removable doors and the removable top, interesting. And maybe they offered it in a different, you know, cab configuration or bed configuration. Would you take a solid axle mid-sized pickup? A solid axle mid-sized pickup, interesting. Might be kind of cool. Or are there any other solid axle mid-sized pickups out there? There are not, except for the Gladiator. Oh, That's it. yeah. So that I mean, would be very interesting. Interesting. Or, or do you take uh, maybe one of the upcoming? Jeep platforms for the new Grand Cherokee and do it unibody like uh, like Ford's doing with their little courier. Then it's like more ridgeliney. I don't know. Be interesting to see what they do. I don't think they would do solid axle. I mean, no, we, we don't know. Yeah, well, we don't know. You know, I'm just, I'm just. Listen, there's a fire, mm-hmm. and I'm just throwing gasoline on it for <laughs> the sake of conversation. Okay. I don't know anything either. I'm just saying okay. that would be cool. I just can't imagine they would do solid axle. Yeah, you're probably right, but. Yeah. I mean, God, man, can't you let me dream a little bit? Yeah, dream. Go All ahead. Right, thanks. All right, dreaming over. Move on. Uh-huh. Uh, the uh, Bollinger B2. Mm-hmm. Available now or soon in chassis cab. Oh, really? Yeah, so they have flat frame rails in the back of their crew cab, and obviously that's the oh, wait, electric wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on. We, we heard about this, that they were going to offer it um, in many different configurations because they were going well, to, there oh, it is. look at that thing is just wacky without a bed on it. That is just, uh, that's, that's. So I wonder if. Oh, that's very square. <laughs> that is very so, but, square. But, I, you know, our, our knock on the Bollinger has always been range. So in a fleet application, does, do you incorporate into whatever utility bed you're putting on there more batteries? I wonder what options they'll offer. Or is it just going to be if you want a steak bed or whatever? Well, I mean, you could put a- You go to a third party? Well, they're standardizing it, right? So, like, here's some funny uh, things. Here is a excavator or a bucket truck. Here is a utility bed. (laughs) Uh Here's a tow truck. Yeah. Here's a U-Haul truck. Okay. Uh, That is a mullet. Which is sort of funny. It's a mullet. So, anyway, there's- uh, (laughs) The truck has a mullet. I mean, it's- It's a cab over uh, camper. Head over to trucktrend.com if you want to uh, check out some of that stuff. I think it could be cool. Somebody had some fun with those artist renderings. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if somebody gave you a truck and said, add something, no bed, go, go wild. But what they should have done, that ad, dude with a ruler. What they should have done is added a square lines. Should added a you know utility or flatbed on it, or like one of those fifty ten camper beds, you know, for overlanding, and then just filled it with batteries. How much <laughs> would that weigh? What a waste! <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's just I love the truck. It's so utilitarian and and square and cool, but just, it needs to have double the range for me. Yeah. Wouldn't it be weird with that and the Cybertruck sitting next to each other? You've oh, got like one, that- one looks like a a wedge and one looks like a brick. Yeah. Yeah, one one is your doorstop and one is your door. <laughs> <laughs> the 2022 Hummer EV debut? That's nah, been delayed. But uh, uh, production is apparently still on track. So 
Ah, in this world of weird COVID stuff, everything is topsy turvy. Was there an official launch of that thing, or is it just still we're stuck with? Well, like, it's just like uh, Broncos, just like TRX. Yeah. It's just like Hummer. I mean, mm-hmm. there everything's got pushed back, and nobody knows when anything's going to be revealed. It's just like Gladiator. Yeah, you know, the whole standpoint of. We didn't have a press launch, and they said, hey, we're just going to drop it off at your house. So uh, uh, note to Hummer, just uh, drop it off at my house. I'll put it through its paces for you. Hold before we close out this segment, uh, do you mind if we call Jordan again? Uh, I was actually going to suggest it. Okay. <laughs> All right, great minds think alike. All right, let's see here. Um... Jordan Mulbauer, speed <laughs> dial. <laughs> I got something for him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you think it's, he uh, turned his phone off? I don't think so. I think it's just going to vibrate right off the uh, nightstand. <laughs> Do you think his mom's going to uh, ask him who's calling? <laughs> does he still live at home? I don't know. <laughs> it's funnier if we think that he does, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. This is Jordan with Truck Fever LLC. I'm not at my phone right now, but if you leave me a brief message and your phone number, I'll be sure to get back to you at my very first opportunity. Thank you and have a blessed day. Hey, Jordan, wake up. What kind of loser goes to sleep before 2 a.m.? Uh, hey, Jordan, you yeah. call yourself a truck promoter and you're in bed by midnight? <laughs> Come on now. Disappoint us. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you say we get into uh, my latest truck review? Ooh, I'm in. Truck review. Yeah. Rolling, rolling, dragging truck nuts. All right, so uh, we're going to do this a little bit different. I recently had, I think well, we talked about it when Jim Morrison was on, a uh, Gladiator Mojave dropped off in my driveway. Yeah, you said that kind of weird. It's not. It's Mojave. You just said Mojave. Gladiator Mojave. <laughs> no. It's flair, my friend. Flair. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're known for is flair. That's right. You know, <laughs> I, I get my flair powers uh, in my beard here. Yeah, I can't wait for them to be uh, removed. Ugh. No, I don't think there's clippers out there that can cut through, uh, mow through this mess. No. The, the hedge is uh, awfully well. You see, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I think last show I told you I kept seeing my beard out of the corner of my eye. It hasn't gotten better. I can get through that uh, with some bolt cutters. <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. What are we doing here again? We're talking uh, Gladiator Mojave. Yeah, but I- I'm sorry, Mojave. Mojave. <laughs> I thought that we would, uh, I don't know, instead of me just professing my uh, my love of the vehicle, because I think I kind of did that with, uh, with Jim Morrison a little bit, why don't we call up the chief engineer- and let him tell us all about it. Wait, wait, like the chief engineer of the Jeep Gladiator? Oh, yeah. Huh. Hello? Hello, hello, Lightning Home and Truck Show Podcast. Is this Pete Milo Sovleski? <laughs> hey, Sean, how you doing? How's it going? Or as we as Man. we like to refer to you as uh, just Chief Milo to make it easy, right? You got both of us here, dude. You got uh, Lightning and Home and Truck Show Podcast. But before you can speak, hey we've guys, got a, how are you? We're outstanding. We got a quick intro. Don't move. It's the inside job, baby. Yes, it is. It's the inside job now. Uh-huh. It's the inside job, baby. It's time for you to share what you do. See, because Pete, we're going inside. It's the inside job. That's right. This is where I explain the joke, and then it's lame now. (laughs) uh, Inside the Wrangler and Gladiator uh, platform, although Chief Milo has been on the show before talking about Gladiator when it first came out, if you remember. I do, but I haven't spoken to him. And can I, Pete, how did you uh, ascend the ladder 
at FCA, or were you thrown into the uh, no? Into that they, found, they found him on the side of the uh, freeway, and they just anointed him. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he had a sign that says, uh, uh, will, "Anoint will, me, Chief Engineer." Please. No, it said, "Will design gladiators for food." Oh, that maybe. <laughs> exactly. I was holding a sign off the side of the highway. <laughs> I, I bet it was I seventy five, wasn't it? Said. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been with the company for twenty three years, and yeah, I mean, over time, you just uh, you 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 work, put your head down, get the job done, and a little luck along the way, and you, you, you fall into a position where um, it, it's kind of a dream job, really. So it's something that I've always dreamed about doing, and I mean, think about it. It's an iconic brand, and I'm, I'm the, uh, the chief engineer for the program, and it just, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing, really. So everybody knows how much I'm a big fan of, of Jeep, of Wrangler, uh, owned a couple, all that good stuff, and what you guys have been able to do on JL and now JT is is pretty phenomenal, especially as one of the last holdouts of, you know, having solid axles. But what I will say is, as we've talked about JL, we've talked about JT, but this is sort of a special night because we're going to really focus on the Gladiator Mojave, and there isn't a lot of information out there because the press launch got canceled. And so we figured... Well, How heartbreaking. Oh, completely. I, I know that we were going to go out to the desert out by Palm Springs. You guys had a course set up. And Now, wait a minute. I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. So you were going to jip me again? Yes. Yes, Damn I was gonna you. go. I was gonna go drive uh, Gladiator Mojaves on a uh, on a closed course and uh, drive them with reckless abandon. Of course, within the limits of uh, FCA's safety uh, team, and uh, got canceled <laughs> from the uh, stupid ass COVID thing. This is where you would have taken photos and then sent them to me and said, "Na na 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 na." So is that, is that it? How about this? I had a chance to have one in my driveway for a whole week last week, and I took it out on my own course without anybody babysitting. Your, the, the mean streets of Huntington Beach? No, I took it out to the desert. <laughs> oh, you did? I went to the Mojave in a Mojave. Interesting. And it was freaking awesome. Now, are you allowed to give us the review? Yes. Okay. I can, but I, I think we should uh, talk to Pete here and, and have him go over what makes the Mojave special. Because I think everybody knows, you know, you kind of enter a gladiator uh, at the sport level. You can go into the Overland, which is sort of uh, synonymous with uh, Sahara on Wrangler. And then you move up to Rubicon. I think everybody knows Rubicon is sort of the top dog for, for rock crawling and all that. But what you guys have done is really go after Toyota uh, TRD and Chevy Colorado ZR2 and really attack that midsize pickup market with a go-fast version of the Gladiator. And from what I understand, it is the first Jeep to have the desert-rated badge, right? And that's not just a badge that you guys, oh, let's put something on here to be fancy. It actually means something in this case. So can can you take us through that, Pete? Yeah, Jeep doesn't do anything uh from a cosmetic standpoint, when we, when we put a badge on a vehicle, it, it talks to its capability. Originally, I mean, the, the Mojave was part of the plan all along. Um, when we first had the idea and the thought that Gladiator would be coming back to market, the Mojave version or the Desert Runner version was something that was there at the very beginning. As such, you know, we, we in Jeep know slow speed, rock crawl, and wheeling like no other. I mean, we know that hands down. But the high-speed desert aspect of off-roading, it's, it's um, something that some of our other Jeeps do pretty well. You know, Grand Cherokee, the Cherokees. Um, actually, the Wranglers do it pretty well. But this, we wanted to take to the next level. You know, as you mentioned, with the midsize truck segment, it's kind of this niche within that segment, especially in the southwest U.S., where there's a huge passion for it. And so when we uh, developed the desert rating methodology, we went out, surveyed customers. We uh, went to some of the SCORE events. We went to the Southwest. We worked with some uh, professional uh, consultant 
drivers, um, as well as, you know, the, the Fox team who we've partnered with on this package. And with that, we developed a methodology that's very, very, um, it's based off the trail rating system, but it's unique in its own way. Where trail rating is slow speed, rock crawling capability, here we're talking about high speed, go fast. Um, although it's based on the trail rating, it's got some unique characteristics to it. Are there any third parties, Pete, that you could go to and get this or or could have got the same kind of, not certification, but like, are there any bodies that you could have leaned on to say, hey, uh, I want to put this Jeep through the test? Or, I mean, you it sounds like you had to create this, this classification, this all that the badge stood for. Yeah, absolutely. We created it. We looked at going to a third party, but we have the trail rating methodology. We spent years developing that, and we had a very good idea of how to do it for the desert after we had some time benchmarking some of the competitors that you mentioned, as well as you know running out and talking to customers, getting the voice of the customer, um, going to some of these desert series events, and, and just uh, watching, learning, listening, working with some, uh, again, some professional consultants, um, people that are in the arena that provided feedback. We quickly came to, uh, you know, some key methodologies that uh, we, we, we developed that really nailed nail the desert rating and what it means. So I see a couple of categories, five to be exact, where you stand out, you made huge achievements. And I'd like to go through them. Holman, if you don't mind, I want to hear Pete, his take on, the ride control and stability, the traction, ground clearance, maneuverability, and desert prowess. So let's, I kind of want to dissect those groups. So yeah, so let's have, uh, let's have Pete go through those. And then what I want to do is maybe just fill in my experience with the truck after Pete kind of lays out what they were aiming for and kind of my thoughts. So let's start with okay. the, uh, the ride control and stability, Pete. Yeah, so ride control and stability, it's about developing the suspension to handle the undulating or changing desert terrain. We want to make sure we have great control and comfort. We want to make sure that the customer has confidence with the ever-changing landscape. So this gets into the suspension and the suspension tuning and the suspension hardware um, so that the ride control provides great confidence for our customer um, going through various desert terrain. And how do you find a, um, a happy medium there? Because what might be good on the 405 freeway through Southern California is not good whoa, whoa, in the Mojave. Whoa, whoa. You, know what I mean? you know that that's not true. Have you been on the truck ruts on the 405? <laughs> that's exactly like the Mojave. That's well, true. They're not doing anything during COVID either, are <laughs> yeah, they? Right? right. No. So how that's that's a that's a delicate balance. It, it is, and we had our engineering team focused on both on road and off road uh, ride control. We don't we don't want uh, our customers to sacrifice the the daily drive. So uh, our, our engineering team spent a great deal of time, again, working with Fox, um, tuning the internal bypass shocks so that everyday driving is comfortable. It's uh, plush, it's pleasant. Uh, but then once you're out in the desert terrain, in the extreme events, you've got the, the control, the stability, uh, the jounce control that, that, that the desert terrain demands. So uh, the next one was uh, it was sand and dirt traction, right? Exactly as it describes. It's ensuring that the torque that is sent to the wheels is not lost on loose surfaces. Uh, we want to strategically manage and deliver power on loose surfaces. 
So that's really what it's all about is making sure that there's no torque loss or minimal torque loss uh, at the wheels as you're going through this this loose this loose terrain, you know, the sandy um, two track or san- sandy uh, terrain that you see in the desert. And that's largely done electronically these days, correct? Well, it's a little both. Let's not forget uh, we do have uh, mechanical advantages with our, our rear locker. But also our Falcon 33-inch all-terrain tires provide great traction. And then, as you just mentioned, uh, some of the features we, we, we implemented with our off-road drive modes, um, our, specifically our sand mode that we developed, uh, help minimize, uh, i call it the ESC nannies from, from jumping in. So, yeah, all those things help attractive capability. No, Holman loves the nannies. You can nope. talk about the nannies nope. all day. He's no, like, oh, I love the nannies. Bring a bad on. word on the show. I want this thing to just drive itself. You know, and that's one of the things about some of your competitors. Like the... I think I just threw us in a ditch. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get out the winch. Uh, you know, with some of the competitors, especially with Toyota, one of my biggest beefs is that while the chassis may be lively and fun, you can never experience it because the nannies are so aggressive with pulling away power. And as you know, when you're you know bombing through a wash in the desert and you're trying to steer with the throttle and you're trying to make it around a corner, the last thing you want in in a wash or a, a tight canyon is for ESC or traction control to come in and then try and make you go straight when you're trying to pitch it sideways. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> I, I, th- I think you had a Mojave for the last week and you've been bombing through the desert. Sounds uh, like to me. Are there any scratches on it, Holman? Because you have to give this thing back. Uh, it's already went back, so nobody complained, and we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't even know if I said... Are we, are we allowed to complain, Sean? <laughs> did, you, did you put a, uh, a big magnetic truck show podcast sticker over the gash? Uh, yes, I said, uh, hey, this is a freebie. It's on me. <laughs> tell, tell the truck show podcast, sent you? I don't think I, I, uh, I sent the pictures uh, that I took to Pete. I don't think he's seen what I did to his, uh, to his baby. So you know you're what? Saying... I'd be disappointed if he didn't have a couple of... Uh... Uh, a beauty marks when we got it back. So good was, job. Was good there job. road rash, Holman? Why would there be road rash? I wasn't on the road. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> desert pinstriping. <laughs> desert pinstriping. There, yes. There might be some more, but Jeep puts a nice clear coat on there, and it buffs out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't buff out when you rip a fender off, but uh, that's why I didn't do that. <laughs> okay, so we're great. good. We're good. All right, let's move on to ground clearance. Ground clearance. Uh, you want to make sure that you have the adequate ground clearance. The the desert terrain is ever changing. It's undulating. Uh, you have off camber events, um, articulation, not as critical as it is when you're uh, wheeling. You know, slow speed rock crawling, but it comes into play. So one of the things we get into here is dynamic ground clearance, and you know the jeeps uh, are are developed with outstanding ground clearance, and it just comes into play here. It's a huge advantage, um, so they never get caught up. You never, uh, you know, you, you you never get in a situation where you're 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 uh, going over a dune and your front approach angle becomes a factor and, and bogs you down, as an example. So, uh, the ground clearance becomes a big factor out in the desert as well. Well, not only that, but when you're using a solid axle platform, you don't have variable ground clearance, running ground clearance like you do in an IFS vehicle. So. There's two schools of thought, and some may say that IFS is better than the desert. Some might say stick axle or solid axle is better than the desert. But they both definitely have their advantages and disadvantages. One of the things that I appreciate about a solid axle vehicle in the desert is you're not worrying about scraping your belly or your oil pan because there's no variable ground clearance. That's That axle is always going to be at the same ground clearance no matter what the vehicle is doing. That is, that is an advantage on the solid axle side for sure. What were the size of those wild peaks again? 33s. 33s, okay. 
And what will the Mojave accommodate without? Because you've already got a lift, the Fox. So basically, right? anything uh, on the JL JT platform, uh, Rubicon fender. So the Mojave has the high clearance fenders, doesn't it, Pete? It does. Yeah, so you can fit a 35. They basically, I don't want to speak for the chief engineer here, but they package protected for 35s. So you're, we do. you'll yep. be able to fit that on without any additional lift. Now, the Mojave has a one-inch lift in the front to kind of level it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you already have more space than your standard Rubicon Gladiator, which means that 35s will fit even better. What lift do I need on those uh, what, to get a 40 under there? Do you know, Holman? You, only a three, about a three and a half. Okay. Yeah, oh, you, wow. you fit 37s with a two and a half, no problem. Super mild. Um, depends on the fenders, too. You can also, uh, aftermarket has all sorts of different fender variations for the JL and JT now, where you can fit a pretty big tire. The wheel wells, when they designed this vehicle, or both of these vehicles, are pretty accommodating. And uh, Jeep, as you know, hugely, uh, when they say package protect, that means that, let's see, what's the better way to you put it? You can't screw it up? No, no, no. It means, <laughs> no, when they package protect, that means that they are giving a nod to, we're okay with the aftermarket. Gotcha. We're going to let you know that we know that you know that we know that you know that we know you're going to do what you're going to do to your Jeep. And wink, wink, we're going to build that in. Has it always been that way, Pete? Has Jeep always been kind of open arms to the aftermarket? Or was it more like some of the companies that just like, no, you, you know, like, like Apple at first they said no to apps and the app store. It was, from what I understand, Steve Jobs did not want to have apps at all. And it just happened. And he was kind of forced into it. Now it's a huge profit center. You know, as long as I've been around, it's always been a community and and so kind of a, a partnership with the aftermarket. Um, our customers love to customize their Jeeps. We embrace that. Our brand team embraces that. And we support that 100%. I mean, that's what you want to hear from a chief engineer, not somebody who's afraid of the aftermarket where everything is locked down. And I won't make uh, make, make Pete uh, swear to this on the record, but I do know some Jeep engineers and some people worked on the different programs. It's the little thing. So... With this package, we haven't really talked about what this package is yet. We will get into it. But one of the things is it has big-bodied Fox shocks. Mm-hmm. Well, the rear mounts on the Gladiator are outboard of the frame rail, and so they stick out a certain amount. And when you look at the stock factory Rubicon shocks, there's a lot of room on either side, especially on the frame clearance side. Well, the reason for that is they knew people wanted to put big-body shocks ah. on it from the factory. And if they would have kept it too close to the frame and not thought about the aftermarket at all, you would rub the frame. Well, Jeep put a lot of clearance in there, and that's one of the reasons they can put these big Fox shocks on there. And if in the aftermarket, you can put something, I'm told, although I haven't tested it, up to about a three-inch body, which is a pretty damn big shock. Okay. Does it confound you that there are manufacturers that just still this to this day don't get the aftermarket, or they begrudgingly uh, like just have to watch it happen? Yeah, I mean, for us, it, it's definitely confounding. I mean, but I, I think it takes years to build, right? And it takes years to build that relationship. Uh, I can imagine at first um, it can be concerning, you know, you know, as far as the, the amount of business that the aftermarket's taking. But over time, what it does is it just, it, it basically um, builds that customer loyalty and it, and it provides that additional competitive advantage that uh, I mean, it truly is something where our customer customers love to customize their Jeeps. They love the ability to customize. They love how easy it is to customize. And again, we, we totally embrace that. And we've said this on the show. There isn't a truck out there that's been successful without embracing the aftermarket because truck people and four by four people, they love making it their own. And let's face it, the guy running something in the desert isn't the same guy Uh, who's building something for Colorado or isn't the same guy that might be building something for the oil fields or for the Pacific Northwest or the Carolinas. 
And so to have that ability to really personalize it isn't just about a personal statement. Sometimes it's the use case. Yeah, but he's not okay with the Carolina squad. I mean, no one is, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard the uh, the uh, follow-on package to the Mojave will be the Carolina. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the rear end will be dumped. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess let's move into uh, maneuverability. Yeah, so maneuverability, this is uh, a basis off of trail rating. Maneuverability... When you're when you're slow speed rock crawling, you want to get around that rock, um, that boulder, that tree. Here's a little different. It's about swiftly dodging obstacles um, and veer around narrow gaps. And and here your steering comes into play, an optimized wheelbase, and also a nimble uh, suspension tuning. So that's really where we 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 focused on is developing the suspension package so that it was. It was react. It could react very quickly to to the ever changing, um, you know. Because when you're driving in the desert at these high speeds, uh, you have to quickly adapt to what's suddenly in front of you. And um, our dynamics team did an outstanding job of of tuning this package so that it gives the customer that ability to nimbly handle through various desert terrain events. So, Pete, when you're designing the suspension system, the steering, all that. The sky's the limit. I mean, you can literally, as a manufacturer, you could dump as much money and have the most high-end parts imaginable, but at some point it doesn't become, it's not feasible or economical for the customer, right? It doesn't, how, as you, as an engineer, as the chief engineer, you are probably the one in that mix, right? You've got to decide the steering assembly. How beefy do we want to go because it gets really expensive and you, you, is it a tug of war between you and your engineers or the marketing department? What does that look like? How do you determine the final product that's both stout and economical at the end of the day jeep doesn't compromise we're we're not we're not uh half of something we don't we don't compromise to the point where uh we don't know our identity so with with the jeep we develop our steering su- system to be stout to be robust to be able to take off road and we have a recirculating ball steering system and uh with that you know, it's it's unique in the marketplace. There's nothing like it. But that gives us the ability to uh, articulate the way we want uh, when we're off-road. And our dynamics team, again, they're able to do an outstanding job tuning that. So it's all about trade-offs and balance and, and finding that, uh, that balance between um, not compromising the, for the off-road customer, but yet still giving... Uh, the on-road and, and desert high-speed driving capability that the customer is going to expect. But in the conference room, you've got knockdown, drag-out fights, right? We're like, I want that. And no, I want no, Does that happen? We're like, no, I'm determined to get – we have to add this. And the, <laughs> he, just, he just brings a uh, either a All crowbar or a uh, tire iron. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, right. Have you noticed the Jeep tire irons? They're really beefy. <laughs> There's a reason. They bring those into meetings. My favorite is throwing a track bar across the table. <laughs> no, I was thinking Anchorman where he comes in with a spear or, you know, like a something on fire. Well, that's the thing. I want <laughs> You don't have anything that long and beefy on an IFS vehicle, so, you know. True. There you go. Pete comes in I'll with a Dana 44. <laughs> it's true. Okay, so let's move into uh, desert prowess. That sounds kind of ambiguous. What do you mean by desert prowess? Well, it's a little ambiguous because it, it contains many um, different aspects of the rating methodology. So... Um, when you're out in the desert, you need to make sure that the vehicle can keep the customer cool in the cabin. You need to make sure that it's protected from sandblasts. You need to make sure that 
um, as you're running high speed through the desert that you're not, uh, as you're running through different sand events, you're not uh, damaging your, your vehicle. Um, you want to make sure that as you're, you're climbing dunes, you're not overheating your, your, uh, your engine. So you want to make sure you have the right cooling management. So all of these things come into play when it comes to desert prowess. Have we thought through all aspects of where this customer is going to take this vehicle over the weekend or for long week trips overlanding? And will this, will this vehicle provide them the confidence, the comfort, um, the reliability in that environment? Um, so that when they come back, they can say, wow, I mean, this thing, it really protected me. It, it brought me back home. Um, was never, never worried I was going to get stranded in the desert. And it, it, it came back robust and um, didn't get damaged. And, and, it, and it survived the desert environment. That, that's what desert prowess is all about. This may sound like a silly question, but is this this vehicle is obviously its name Mojave more yeah, silly the Mo- than the normal questions you ask? No, they're all silly. Yeah, okay, mine all right. are always silly. Okay, guys, right? just checking. Just check. You ask the legitimate ones. Mine are <laughs> ludicrous, right? Is this? I'd like to know from kind of a, maybe a sales perspective. Like, is a guy in New Hampshire buying a Mojave because it's it's geared towards you know Southwest the desert thing? I wonder how something like does this, that guy have green money? I'm not saying that they don't sell it. I'm wondering from someone. Remember, this is the inside job, right? Inside Jeep. How are sales of something like the Mojave in New Hampshire? Or is it because the guy could be buying it for have cool you, factor okay. or whatever? Have you been to Florida, New Hampshire, or Michigan? And have you seen all the Raptors out there? Again, this is why I'm asking him. That should that should answer your question. I think people like cool vehicles regardless of what the intended use is, right? Pete's on the phone. I'm asking him. Oh, I thought we were having a conversation. <laughs> no, he's still on. <laughs> I agree with Sean. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, it, it is. It's all about the cool factor and having that capability. And these customers that are in the Northeast that don't have the Mojave Desert, um, but someday they can take it out west or they can take it down south to that type of environment. And not to say that there's not some too cool two track dirt roads that, that um, those guys and gals play around with, right? So even though it's named the Mojave, it's absolutely geared to any customer that loves the adventure. All right. Did that answer well your said. question? Yeah, absolutely. Are you good? He knocked it out of the park like I expected. <laughs> okay, so can we get into the components? Yeah, so I want to get into what makes a Mojave Mojave. It's not just a Rubicon that's been you know, dressed up or dressed down. It actually has quite a few specific components that I think are really important. Uh, suspension is one of them. It's got the Fox 2.5-inch internal bypass shocks with remote uh, reservoirs front and rear. By the way, 2.5, no slouch. No, huge. I mean, that, that's, that's a really big shock from the factory. It also has factory jounce shocks in the front, jounce bumpers. So, so I want you to explain for those of our maybe yeah. have new listeners who don't, uh, or guys it, like me that don't know what jounce. So basically, it's like a secondary shock. So think of it as like you know on a leaf spring suspension, how you might have that secondary overload spring mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. kind of grabs the load if you get too deep into the travel. This is like a secondary shock that comes into play. It's tuned in line with the primary shock, and what it allows you to do is to pr- is to tune the primary shock to operate over a wider type of environment, right? Be more um, supple. The travel? Throughout the range of travel. Okay. But when you get to that last couple inches... You used the word supple, by the way. You, you like that, didn't you? <laughs> That's weird. Where's my ding? I should get a ding for that. Uh, okay. There we Thank go. Thank you, supple. Ding. <laughs> All right. And so what... A, don't, don't say that again, please. Not about a Jeep. So it's basically, not supple. It's like nothing a, on a Jeep is supple. That's not true. Have really? you sat in their seats? Oh, leather? you're right. Steering wheel? Oh, hold on. 
Yeah, thank you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, what it is, it's a secondary shock, basically a hydraulic shock that sits there. And as you get deep in the last maybe 10% of travel, it now takes over and displaces an enormous amount of energy. It can be tuned very harsh and sharp while the rest of the shock isn't. So now you're not paying for that ride and handling penalty when you're not hitting those G-outs or those really sharp, high frequency, a dropout, anything that compresses the uh, suspension super fast, Mm -hmm. it allows it to absorb all of that movement without affecting the primary shock. So when I'm driving over the center medium with the flowers, right, and I get the median and it just compresses? No. no, There's enough wheel travel where you won't even get into the, the jounces on that. Oh, really? Yeah. You've done that. I'm just saying there's enough travel on the vehicle, you won't even touch the jounces. Did, did you kill the daisies? I, no, we okay. will not admit to that. The statute of limitations are not up. So what is that distance, uh, Pete? Like, how how much wheel travel am I eating up before I hit the jounce? Is that eight inches? Somewhere in there? No, no, it's, it's not It's not that. Basically, what's what, what Sean described is, is correct, is that the internal bypass shocks that we have um, worked with working with Fox. We've, we, you know, developed them with Fox. They provide a plush, predictable ride over normal off-road driving conditions and on-road. They um, have the ability to ramp up your damping force in extreme use. So as the wheel travels to its extremes and you're getting into that, uh, getting into the, uh, the jounce, bumper area and every vehicle has a jounce bumper what we've done uh here on the mojave is we replaced that rubber jounce bumper with a hydraulic jounce can so it's a hefty piece of equipment that we've added to provide the optimum damping during these extreme cases when you're in this full jounce event so again running through the desert you come up on uh sudden whoops and the whoops are you know, these, these sudden undulations in the road that you don't expect. And the whole front end just basically wants to bottom out. And those jounce cans provide unbelievable damping uh, forces to alleviate uh, any type of bottom out. And it gives our comfort, our customers the, the, the comfortable and confident ride that, that they're, they're going to love. I, I will say that I am not a fan of the Fox internal bypass shock generally speaking, on OE packages. Why? The Raptor is far too soft. It blows through travel off-road way too fast where you start hitting the belly of the truck. At The Raptor at certain speeds and certain size whoops is absolutely phenomenal. Over something that's maybe 10 inches at 65, 70 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. You get bigger than that, you get smaller than that, you change your speed, and you're just kind of porpoising or pogoing, and you're blowing through that travel. It's like, jounce, 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 all the way through. And it does not have hydraulic ones. It's got microcellular, like a, a Rubicon. It doesn't have the hydraulic ones that the Mojave has. On a TRD Pro, in my opinion, the rear shocks are way out of whack in terms of rebound control. Number one, a Tacoma doesn't have a lot of up travel anyway. But when you get into it, I've gotten into some really scary situations where the rear end is off the ground completely. No, so it's coming over. No wheels on the ground at 50-plus miles an hour oh. because it keeps hitting it. And because it's not slowing down and controlling that rebound, it just bounces the whole back of the truck off the ground. And now you're out of control, basically, just with the steering wheels. And so there's there's drawbacks in, in those two vehicles. And so I haven't always been a fan of the internal bypass stuff until the Mojave. And we'll do a full review next episode, so I don't want to give everything away. I will tell you this is the best version of those shocks tuning-wise. You can tell that the Jeep team spent an an inordinate amount of time on it. The rears don't suffer the same rebound control issue that I felt in others. And by the way, the rear of the Gladiator is coil springs and links, which is really cool. Um, And the jounce 
They're awesome. They're awesome. I mean, we were in some pretty big stuff. We were sort of on a couple roads where we were over some pretty decent sized stuff at speed, 45, maybe 50 miles an hour, mm-hmm. where the truck was working really well. And then all of a sudden it was like a truck gobbler came up. And we, you know, ate it a couple times into that. And the Johnsons did exactly what they were supposed to do. They sucked up all that energy and they returned it back down without having a bunch of secondary motions. And the, the truck was able to soak it up. We had to get off the throttle, kind of let it settle out, and then we were back on the gas. There was nothing where it was like, uh-oh, did I break something? Did I mess something you up? You didn't have any of those uh, the hits where you think, I just broke the dash off yeah. of the frame. Or right? or I just added a brown skid mark in my undies. Uh, <laughs> <Wendy's. laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Pete, I- I'm curious, how much of that shock combo is your department and how much is Fox? It's hard to say exactly. I mean, um if I had to put in percentages, it was, and and, and my guys are going to listen to this. And if I if I if I say the wrong percentage, they're gonna they're not going to be happy with me. But um, you know, it was it was co-developed. I would say um, <laughs> a politically was, uh, correct answer. He's a freaking politician. Yeah. <laughs> that that Pete guy. Hey, he uh, didn't get to the top by uh, <laughs> by whacking people. No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, the, hard, the hardware is Fox. They've got the experience, but our dynamics team uh, was extremely involved uh, with the tuning. And in fact, we co-located in Borrego Springs for months, um, just tuning the suspension. Um, and we had one or two of the Fox guys with us um, co-developing the, the suspension. But at the end of the day, it was our dynamics team that uh, you know made the final calls as far as the the final tuning package, with close collaboration with Fox and and some others that we work with to get it right. I was going to say, of all the suspension companies that you could have chosen, why Fox? I'm just curious. I think early on, um, as we were benchmarking and going out uh, talking to customers, we quickly realized the the uh, you know the. There, there's a few there's a few of them out there right there's king there's fox um among others but um there's there's a lot of passion behind fox and uh those guys were great to work with um they were very collaborative open they, they wanted to work with us um they saw jeep as a is a uh is a key brand that they wanted to to work with and and we thought it was a, it was a great match and it, and it turned out to be that way did you guys end up setting the world's record for the longest front reservoir hose? Oh, yeah. That one is ridiculous. It's almost <laughs> way up to the so bumper. It's, it's like 24 inches or something like that or more. It's, it's, That's what she said. There okay. you go. From where the, uh, the shocks are mounted to where the reservoir can is, now you guys add a, uh, a aluminum skid plate, mm-hmm. and people may go, why do you need a skid plate on a solid axle vehicle under the front of the, under the, front of the bumper? Uh, but what that is is it protects the cans, the reservoir cans. And from right. where the shock mounting is to where the reservoirs are, dude, longest, I swear that hose is the longest <laughs> hose I've ever seen. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can, just can't I'll avoid you, it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. I think it's pretty cool. I, I, I like the, uh, the fact that you can see it and, and it's visible and it's, and it's long. That's what um, she said. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. This is what happens when you get so when you terrible. get on a show. Just with because he's the chief engineer, I can't not do it. He's allowed to giggle. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are. Yeah, I was going to say the rears. Um, the rears are co-located, so the reservoirs are co-located with the shocks. But in in the front, um, we did that for a reason. Um, one is, you know, we wanted to protect the reservoirs, 
But the main reason is packaging. Um, with a two and a half inch aluminum bodied box shock in uh, our large tires that we utilize, we, we had to find a spot for it to ensure that a 35 inch tire that we talked about earlier that we package protect wouldn't rub up against it and, and damage it. So uh, we found a, a cool spot for it. I think it looks great um, up front there, tucked underneath the, uh, the skid plate and the hose um, is well routed. And what does that do to the the the, the fluid flow through that hose? <laughs> I'm sorry. Seriously. I'm serious. No, I, that was I, that was almost a serious question with a horrible I, inflection. I, I couldn't get it out. I'm so serious. he, he so, started asking the question and he and he cracked halfway through I, and couldn't I, contain it. I was listening to myself going, "That's a ridiculous question." <laughs> no, but I, I am serious. So when you had the gladiator here, Holman, yes. outside, yes. I looked at the hose and yes. said. What what does that do to the fluid flow? Like, is it going to all making it all the way to the reservoir? Well, you know, is what, what it you're cycling at, yeah, properly? What you're asking is, is it going back and forth between the shock and the can, or is it recirculating 100 percent of the oil? That's and, exactly what I'm asking. And thank you. Yeah, it goes in between the two. I'd like Pete to answer. Yes, it goes between the uh, the shock and the reservoir, and it provides uh, you know the cooling that you want to ensure that we don't get 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 into shock phase. But from a flow perspective. There was no issue with cavitation or any type of flow issues. We we tested all that, um, no problems there. The the flow is perfectly adequate, no no problems, and it does a really nice job of making sure the shock fluid stays nice and cool to avoid any type of shock fade as you're bombing through the desert. So my experience with it was, <laughs> it was awesome. I had so much fun driving that truck. The chassis is really stiff. Um, no squeaks or rattles uh, for a vehicle that has a fold-down windshield, removable top, removable doors. You would expect in that desert environment with big axles and unsprung weight and big tires and everything moving around that from an NVH harmonics, the whoever did that part of the job in the the chassis engineer did an awesome job because it was it was tight as a full steel vehicle. Um, and is I was, it is it home and is it fully boxed? The frame is yeah. fully boxed, but okay. the but the body is. You know, it's a bunch of Lego pieces, essentially, right? Like you can take all these different pieces off, and they all interface in in places that you wouldn't have on a traditional SUV or pickup truck. And so, I'm expecting this thing to squeak and rattle, and the tops to rattle as everything's moving around, because we're going over some pretty serious terrain. And and there was none of that. So I, I, that was number one. Number two, I have to say, at speed, there wasn't the skittering um, that I have experienced in other off-road packages. What do you mean skittering? Where it starts to skate on top of the whoops. So once you kind of find a rhythm and you're pushing the speed a little, little bit, typically, in my opinion, where you start seeing the chassis or, or being beyond the, where the chassis is really comfortable, it starts to kind of yaw and rotate on you that you have to constantly be putting a yeah. throttle and steering correction to keep it straight and on top of the, the, the whoops. And so, when you find the right frequency, the vehicle will be perfectly stable and the axles will be going up and down, up and down, up and down, but the vehicle will be stable. But what happens is if you get out of that frequency a little bit, it'll start moving around and wanting to swap sides with you. And so that can be really dangerous in the desert because not like a racetrack, if the rear comes around in the desert, you're catching the lip on the next thing and you're probably rolling a few times. And so to feel stable at speed in a solid axle, body on frame, vehicle that has removable doors, folding windshield, and a removable top with two separate body components, because you basically have the bed is separate from the cab, mm -hmm. was phenomenal to me. And I, I have to say, Pete, this is probably one of the most high, if not, this is probably the most high performance solid axle vehicle to ever come out of any factory in the history of automotive. 
Yeah, th- thanks for saying that, and I completely agree with you. And you can imagine my, my heartbreak when the uh, the media event was canceled, but we were ready to show this thing to, to, to you and the rest of the journalists because we're, we're really proud of it. I mean, we are we're totally pumped. Uh, we think we've got a package here that can pretty much run with uh, anything, um, especially in the midsize truck segment. Um, it, it just, like you said, it, it soaks up the bumps. It's well-tuned. Um, and, and then on top of that, when you get into these uh, high input whoops, um, those, those jounce cans and the way everything is, has been developed, it just gives confidence to the driver that they, they can you know, go fast and, and not lose speed. So it, it's a lot of fun. Holman, you talked about the whoops. Yeah. Put, I, I want you to put like a, uh, a measuring stick to it because I imagine our listeners are they're following along and they're like, w- w- these whoops are like yep. the little tiny ones you took, take on a you know, think, CR50, like a no. little kid one, or you're talking no. about two foot high, three foot high, no, no, we're, or we're, Supercross style where they're- No, no, no. You're probably talking about anywhere from six to 12 inches on average okay. and probably spaced uh, three to five feet apart. I mean, it's but it's infinite in the desert, right? You may have little ripples. So at speed, it's a giant chatter. Is more than depends than on the whoops. depends on the tuning, right? It depends on the frequency. It depends on how fast you're going. Because there's a lot of stuff that looks really bad, and at and at slow speeds wears you out. It's just front, rear, front, mm-hmm. rear. Yeah. I mean, there's sections of the Mojave Road that are 20 miles of that, mm-hmm. and it just wears you out. Or if you pick up the speed and you trust your suspension, you could hit it at 50 miles an hour. Now the problem is, is in the desert. It's it's a variable landscape, right? Which means that you're one storm away from that part of the road that you were familiar with two weeks ago being completely washed out, and now you have a 60 mile an hour missile flying off the edge of a four foot drop into a riverbed or something like that. So you you have to be able to to be smart about it, carry enough speed to where it's a comfortable ride, but not overdrive the vehicle for the tr- what the terrain might present to you. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's fun until you uh, find the limit. Until you break something. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, uh, one of the things that's different about the, the Mojave over the other Gladiators is you guys actually um, beefed up the frame. Maybe talk about that a little bit because I don't think people realize that it's not just a regular Gladiator you bolted big shocks on. There's actually a lot of stuff that went into stiffening it up. No, wait a minute. It's not, it's not just bolt. Like, that's a huge undertaking to modify a frame for, you know, a, a variant, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the frame is fundamentally the uh, a similar frame to the Rubicon uh, frame, but again, early on when we, when we got into the development uh, activities, we we one of the first things we did was um, develop a durability duty cycle. We knew this was going to be unique, and we spent months doing that, and we benchmarked uh, our comp- competitors on this duty cycle, and we quickly learned that uh, we needed to make our systems more robust to the the inputs and the, the durability and, and just the uh the abuse that this thing is going to get um so with that throughout the development process one of the some of the key areas that we upgraded uh quickly determined that we needed to upgrade um some of the frame uh, attachment brackets like the lower control arm brackets um see see a great deal of of load input the front knuckles. Um, we, we went to a cast iron knuckle in the front. Many of you know that we cast iron on the Rubicon as well, but that was really the the result of uh, the Mojave durability testing that we did, and that just carried carried through to the Rubicon. Uh, we went to the 10 millimeter wall tube thickness on the front axle. 
uh, again, due to this duty cycle that then the Rubicon inherited. It just happened to launch first. That's because you um, want to have the smile at the end of your day. You don't want your axle to have the smile at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, the frame um, was reinforced in some key spots, especially where the suspension attaches to withstand the trials and turbulations of running through the desert. I mean, it is severe and it can be bone jarring at times, but this Mojave can, can survive it. And our customers are going to be happy. So we talked about the Fox 2.5-inch internal bypass shocks with remote reservoirs, front and rear. Some of the competition only has it in the rear. We talked about the jounce bumpers. Uh, We talked about the one-inch suspension lift in the front for increased jounce travel with the the, uh, front skid plate. Half-inch wider track, I believe that's done through the wheel offset, correct? Exactly. So we just uh, created wheel offsets in in, in the wheels just to, um, again, primarily for uh, packaging. But also, you know, a slightly wider track doesn't hurt. So, And then you guys also have a, a few other things, like the front seats have more aggressive uh, integrated upper bolsters. And by the way, I got to tell you, I want that steering wheel. The The Mojave <laughs> steering wheel is freaking awesome. What's different about it? Well, it's it's closer to like maybe a Grand Cherokee SRT wheel. So where it's, it's fatter. It's a it, run, well, like, it's fat, and it has a lot of little ridges for your thumbs and gripping, mm-hmm. but what it allows you to do is no matter where the wheel position is relative to the direction of the vehicle and your hands, you can always find something to hold onto on the wheel. And I thought the steering wheel in my hands was just awesome on the, on the Mojave. Yeah, it's a nice touch, isn't it? I think it's a nice, nice change. And it gives a, 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 that customer just a little bit extra be, be, uh, between the seats, the lateral support you get with the bolstering, the additional bolstering, and the, uh, the feel of the steering wheel. It just provides that additional, uh, I'll call it comfort. It's a nice, nice touch in my opinion. I don't think people understand how expensive steering wheels are. Have you ever, like, I remember when I had my uh, my old truck yep. you helped me work on, yep. and I'm like, I want to get it wrapped in a different leather. Now nah, it's like a grand. Yeah. You know, just to have it just just to have it rewrapped. Imagine if you have a steering wheel like on the Mojave that actually has ridges and stuff. It's not a, just a round tube that goes around a hub. It's 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 got as not much, a, not an inexpensive accessory. No, and it and it makes the driving experience, especially when you're using it, that much better. Uh, you guys also um, have orange accents, whereas the Rubicon is red, so orange is sort of the Mojave theme. So the the uh, tow hooks are orange and. The stickers have orange accents on them. Um, I thought it was really cool on our uh, on our tan Mojave. Well, maybe a little garish on the red one, but I guess it depends on the color you choose. On uh, Sting Gray, it looks pretty awesome with the orange accents, but <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, uh, okay, all right. Um, you know, to, to each their own. Uh, you can teach their own. I was just going to say the same thing, right? <laughs> so one of the cool things is, you guys have the new Off-Road Plus button, which came to Gladiator, um, and it actually does something. So our vehicle was a uh, was an automatic, 8-speed automatic. It had the 3.6 Pentastar, which is uh, the current engine until the Eco Diesel comes out in the Gladiator. You'll also be able to get a stick with the gas engine, which obviously I'm a huge fan of. Can I get the diesel? Uh, you will be able to get to the diesel. In the uh, Mojave. You, yeah, according to the price. Is that correct? Is that still happening, Pete? Um, as far as the diesel goes, I I um, can't really comment on that at this this point mm. with the Mojave with the Mojave. Okay, so that is embargo. <laughs> so That's I'm going to go out on a limb and say you would be fine to get that in the Mojave. Wink, wink. 
I mean, oh, that's just really? that's just what I'm saying. Is there? Can I check the box on? I, you can't right now on Jeep's website. You can't right now. But I will be able to. I'm just saying that uh, if you're a diesel guy, you might be happy. In I'm gonna keep clicking that that white no, that, section of the website where there is no box now, but there will be. <laughs> you just can do the little circle to <laughs> yes. keep re- reloading the page yes. until it appears. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna screen grab it. I'm gonna draw my own box in and my own. And then you're gonna mark. send it to the dealer. I'm gonna send it right yeah. to Pete and go, Hey, look, <laughs> Dude, I checked this box. By the way, I've I've done that a few times with Pete. He's probably tired of me. I'm like, Hey, uh, uh, are we gonna do do this on these and he's just like it's just listen i'm the chief engineer you're not stop stop bugging mind me, over matter yep. if, if you think about it enough it'll happen <laughs> oh you see oh, that? i like that <laughs> okay did there uh, but let's talk about the off-road plus button uh in the in the pentastar uh gas v6 so 3.6 liter dual dual overhead cam v6 with the eight speed uh the off-road plus button actually makes a difference on the trail and getting those nannies out of the way and i actually really enjoyed it at speed are there various levels or is it just on off it's on off, um, and basically this uh, it's a sand mode, and we adjust the the pedal calibration, the transmission shift points, and the ESC traction control calibrations, also that they're optimized for for desert running. the The other uh, cool features feature it's going to provide uh, is going to be it's going to allow you to lock up the rear axle while you're in four high to a um, a high speed. So this will give the ability in some of the, the sandier events to lock up that rear axle to give that ultimate traction. Um, so that, that's going to be pretty cool for our customers as well. And I'll say that uh, in this river uh, bed that I was in, there was a bank. I had to crawl out to get up and out of it. That's probably, let's say, six or seven feet to crawl up at maybe a 35, 40-degree angle. And I was in four-wheel drive, off-road mode, uh, and I did not have the rear locker on. And once I got up to it, gave a little bit of throttle, there's a little bit of spin, I got into it, and the brake traction control, the system's really tight, was able to get me up and out of the wash on this loose bank without having to use the rear locker. So even without the locker engaged, the, the vehicle's really capable. Interesting. I would also I'm, glad, I'm glad you had a good time with, with it. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, that was, you know, we've been on quarantine for like four weeks. Sounds like you weeks. put it through its paces. Yeah. I, I tried. Thanks for taking me. Yeah. No, that. I, wasn't that the trip I invited you out on and you no, said no? No, yeah, no, that wasn't that trip. I believe it was. Was it really? I believe it was. That sucks. I believe I asked you and you've been bugging me and I <laughs> said, let's go. And you said, I can't. My wife needs me to do honeydews. Uh, yeah, I was working on the garage and uh-huh. she's like, no, we rented a pod and it's sitting in the front yard. <laughs> you're not allowed to go to the desert with Sean? As long as there's a pod in the front yard, you're not having any fun now did she leave you a water bowl out and uh lengthen the chain so you could at least get to the sidewalk no but she gave me another a, a, a bigger scoop of dog food you know <laughs> did what she? I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. so That's instead good. of just a little like four ounce now she's still cup. hitting you with the newspapers or with phone books uh she's <laughs> she moved on to the grunion gazette which is a little lighter weight these oh. days well yes. you must be uh must be doing better um the other thing is the Mojave comes with the uh, 2.72 to 1 transfer case, not the Rubicon's 4 to 1, which I think is a really smart move for a desert vehicle. And for me, my, my last uh, Wrangler that I had, my JK, I had bought a Sahara on purpose because I like to go fast in the desert. And the 2.72 to 1 case is a lot better than the 4 to 1 for when you need to be in 4 low and get, get a little bit of speed. So I think that was, uh, that was another nice thing. Also, different than the Rubicon, no front locker, no sway bar. Disconnect. Now, that's not to say, though, that the Mojave is an extremely capable rock crawler, too. Uh, we put it through its paces when it comes to rock crawling. Not like the Rubicon, right? It's a different, different purpose-built vehicle. But if uh, you do want to take it off-road, rock crawl, slow-speed wheeling, you can still do that. So, um, and, and it's the same goes for the Rubicon. I mean, 
Rubicon is purpose built for rock crawling, but you still have the ability to take that thing through the sand, but it just won't give you the same capability um, with all the hardware and tuning we did that, that you would get on Mojave. All right. I am going to ask you, get the embargo button ready there, uh, Lightning. Standing by. All right. Clearly, you guys put a lot of effort into making this desert rated. Will we see other desert rated Jeeps down the line? Hmm. That got quiet. Embargo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so apparently Pete has gone through uh, a bad connection there. Did you hear it? Yeah. Like, he, it just went mute on the other end. That, he, uh, he's definitely gone through uh, journalist uh, training. Yeah. Yeah. PR. Yeah. PR training. I, so, so I'll let you, I'll let you all connect the dots, but I mean, trail rating was proliferated across the Jeep portfolio. We have vehicles across our portfolio that will do very well in the desert. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. I uh, appreciate that. All right. And uh, one more question. So for me, I had bypass shocks on my JK on 37s because I like tearing through the desert, and they were phenomenal. And I want to know if uh, there's going to be a Mojave JL at some point. Um, that would be nice. Um, I I can't speak to future product, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, the work that we've done on Gladiator um, could be a good basis for some activity in the jail in the future, but I've got to talk to my, my brand colleagues to try and convince them to, to buy into that uh, down the road. Uh, you know, I know some of those guys. If you need help, you just uh, shoot me a text and tell me what, you, what to say. Absolutely. I'll take your help on that. <laughs> All I heard was yes. <laughs> Is that what you heard? That's what I heard. I heard yes with an exclamation Hold point. Hold on. I've already tweeted it. Yeah, I quoted uh, Chief Milo. Yeah. All right. Sorry, buddy. All right, uh, you guys are terrible. So I, <laughs> so I have I have one one point of contention at this point. When I was in the Gladiator Mojave, mm-hmm. where I was a little bit disappointed in one of the decisions that was made. Oh, no. okay, hold on. I want to. And the one disappointment that left this reviewer just a little bit cold was. <laughs> The awesome bedside rock rail behind the rear axle is gone on the Mojave. And in my opinion, you're still going over rocks and stuff. I think they should have kept it. And the steel bumpers aren't available. They has the plastic, uh, the plastic bumpers with the cool skid plate. But I think that the Rubicon steel bumpers could be a cool option for those of us who like to do a little bit of both things. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um... I think that was a, a conscious decision by our planners. Um, again, purpose built. Do you really need the rear rock rail for a desert runner? <laughs> yes. Some- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I must be allergic to uh, something. Apparently, in uh, apparently so. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, we could have a, a best of both worlds package in the future that we call that one the, the Sean Holman package. Oh, I was thinking uh, Rubave, or Rubave. or or. <laughs> Mobicon. Mobicon? <laughs> uh-huh. I like Mobicon. Yeah, you like Mobicon? Yeah. I like, how about Shawnicon? Shawn- Ooh, Shawnicon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that'd be weird. Now, okay, so a couple other questions. <laughs> um, Pete, are there any yes. Easter eggs on the Mojave? Did you hide anything? Whether it be, you know, like, uh, what what's, uh, home of the flip-flops that they the have? The flip-flops on the cow, yes. Okay. Yes. Are there any Easter eggs that we should be looking for on this edition? There, there's always uh, Easter eggs. The, the Jeep, the Jeep, uh, the, the brand, the PDO office, engineers, we love to add Easter eggs. So um, maybe. 
Well, that's not a good answer, maybe. Uh, did Mark <laughs> Allen finally add the fat bearded guy on there as he threatened to do once uh, for my for my assistance? It would look like a Buddha we, with a beard. <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about Easter egg. We, we can't be specific about them, so okay. uh, I'll have to let you all search for them. Until you can't find them. All right, I'm going to give uh, my man Lightning here a flashlight, and I'm going to send him out in the parking lot, and uh, you'll have to report back. <laughs> I'm all about it. I'll spend hours doing that kind of thing. All right, so yeah, right. Rubicon Gladiator starts at 43875 The Mojave, 44120 So really, price-wise, they're very similar. Kind of depends on which direction you want to go. The, the Mojave has, like we said, a, a, a ton of extra features, both inside as far as the chassis, suspension, uh, you know, there's just a lot going on. So for those of you who like to drive fast, I would say give the Mojave a uh, – go give it a test drive because uh, I was pretty impressed. has exclusive colors, correct or no? Uh, just the, the, the orange trim on it okay. is uh, exclusive to the Mojave. Okay. Next, uh, next week's show, we'll do a uh, truck review, and I'll go through my whole take on the entire Gladiator Mojave. But uh, Pete, I think we know already that you love it. Thank you so much. Why well, didn't tell about the little stuff. Lots of little stuff. Okay. You guys, we got more oh, to share. Oh, so we're going to force Pete to listen to the next episode. Yeah, so they can go, why uh, didn't he ask me that when I was on? I see. Well, we can't ask him everything. Well, then he's forced to come back on to, uh, to answer for I, I think clap You don't have to I force me. I listen every week, guys. He, oh, what? What? No, no you is, do this not. This is nonstop hilarity. Now we know he's lying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, said no listener ever. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right, no, well, it, was good, it was good to be with you guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. So we got Chief Milo. He is the Chief of Engineering on the Wrangler and Gladiator. I want you to say his last name one last time without cheating. Milo Sovleski. No, uh, hold on. <laughs> Milo Sovleski. Is that close? You got so, it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Milo not that hard. Yeah, you guys are really good. It's good. All right. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right, Chief Milo. Well, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, I know you and I have some more stuff to talk about uh, down the line. So uh, stay in touch. Hey, and seriously, All congratulations. Right, it's uh, outstanding. Thank, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. And we'll talk to you both soon. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Dude's pretty cool for being uh, heavyweight. Yeah, no doubt. He's, uh, he's just as cool in person. And uh, he and I have had a... Uh, Lots of uh, cool product discussions that, uh, of course, cannot talk about. Embargo. Well, on that note, why don't we uh, turn to the inbox and see if anybody's asking me uh, any questions about other things I can't talk about. Oh, great. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. Go, go, Holman. Who's uh, who's going first here? Uh, you go first. <laughs> I got so lost in that uh, in the beat. All right, uh, I'm gonna go here. Let's go. Uh, just another boring truck. It's the subject line from uh, Tommy Harrell. Holman and Lightning. Nope, it's Lightning and Holman. Just wanted uh, to share my little. Pick I don't up. think it is. It's uh, Lightning and Holman. It I think says, somebody made a typo on the logo. Uh, nope, it was uh, that way on purpose. <laughs> La- Really? Lightning and Holman. Just wanted to share my little pickup, a 16 JK flatbed work truck. Lightning probably won't like it. <laughs> Stock wheels, tires, and suspension is only upgraded with Fox 2.0 shocks. Homemade flatbed with slide-out drawers. Stretch the chassis 26 inches and 12 inches behind the axle. TJ fuel tank swap. Homemade nice. cab corners. Great tops roof. 
and lots of other small things. Pretty good little pickup. Handy for patching fence and getting cattle up. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It looks better than the Bollinger does, too. Dude, this is, uh, uh, dude, Tommy, I'm on your side. I got you. You you got him? Yeah. Like that. I got one here from Kyle Davis, which says, uh, long-time listener. Long-time listener. First-time caller. caller. I love the show. It's very informative and very entertaining. Flash Uh, ride, everybody. 1-800-5800-TOM. When you do that, you should do it with our actual phone number. Oh, well, if they dialed 1-800-500-TOM, I don't think they're going to get anything. No, that's my point. They might as well promote our own Some phone woman number. in Germany. What are you doing <laughs> calling me? Really? She's in Germany? She yeah, sounds like she's from the, the Bronx? No, that's the um, that's the Stephen Wright joke. When I first moved into my house, there was a switch on the wall. It didn't control any lights or anything. i just flick it up and down every once in a while. And about a month later, I got a letter from a woman in Germany <laughs> saying, cut it out. All right, back to Kyle here. <laughs> because I love the show. Stephen Wright. And it's very informative Dead and pan. very entertaining. So funny. Except for that, what Lightning just did. <laughs> he actually says this here. It says, I heard someone write in about Woolworth Diner in Bakersfield, and that's where I live and I'm from. If you guys decide to come down, would love to come down and meet you guys. I haven't Go been able up, to meet you guys up, at up. Yeah, from us, it's up. Yeah. Haven't been able to meet you guys at other meetups, hopefully one day. Also, would love to hear an episode about tires. I love reading tire reviews, but I just don't know a lot about them. They vary so much in price, and it would be awesome to hear from some of the very best in the industry. I always look forward to the new episodes. Keep up the good work, and yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Says, uh, P.S., I left you a five-star review on iTunes, and God bless, and that's from our listener, Kyle. Thank you very much. Very generous. If you'd like to leave us a five-star review, uh, we would be honored to take it. 2020 Daytona Truck Meet from John Barcara. Hope to see someone from Truck Show Podcast at this year's Truck Meet. This will be my third year attending, and I can tell you it is unbelievable. Trucks and Jeeps from all over the country show up, in addition to thousands of people, over 100 vendors. This guy sounds like a promoter. Yeah, he sure does. Jordan? If only Jordan would have come yeah. on the program today. It is the SEMA show for trucks. Don't miss it. No, 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 no. It's SEMA of the South. Come on, dude. That's if you're right. a promoter, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Thank you for alerting us to this show that we're already planning on buying airline tickets to. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Jordan needs to prove himself once again by answering his phone. <laughs> no, right. We're not going to call him again. All right. I got one here uh, from Mike Boyle. It says, rambling. First, it's Mr. Boyle, not Mr. Boyle, because his email is Mr. Boyle. Okay. But apparently his name's Mike, and he's using his middle initial, which starts with an with R, R. So it looks like Mr. Boyle. So when he wrote an email in the past, we called him Mr. Boyle. But he's Mr. Boyle. Mike, how's that our fault? And by the Use way, he's an underscore or something, he's still dude. Freaking Mr. Boyle. It could also be. Yeah, that's true. He is also Mr. Boyle. Don't cop an attitude with us, bro. Yeah, what the hell, man? Come on now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he says, uh, not a very long time listener, but I've been hooked from the first episode I listened to. I truly appreciate the info and stories you bring to us each week and always look forward to the next episode. The reason I'm writing is for two specific things. First, I think the stay-at-home social isolation orders are getting to Sean. He didn't mention racing with the Halls in the last two episodes. <laughs> it's going to be okay, Sean. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Second is something that came up again in the last episode with the owner of Nikola, and that's uh, Trevor Milton. By the way, uh, I believe you and I have a little road trip out to Nikola, to the headquarters, where Trevor is making good on his promise to show us some stuff and give us a ride in the hydrogen semi. This is going to be fun. And we're going to bring the recorder. I'm I'd, really looking forward to it. I hope it happens. No, it's it's happening. It I, we happening. have we have a meeting this week, 
And uh, we're probably, I'd say, three or four episodes away from sharing that with the uh, Truck Show podcast. Are we road tripping or are we flying? No, we're road tripping. Okay. I'm not going to airport. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dumb. Uh, We have to take separate cars. (laughs) <laughs> no. Yeah, social isolation. No. You got to do your own thing. I'll you do got, my thing. Don't I'll you have you a there. brand new truck? What are you driving right now? Uh, just okay. I'll put you in the bed. What are you driving right now? I, I know you have a loaner from a, from some new company. I got a Nissan Titan, but it's you not big enough for the what? two of us. You have a Titan right now? Yeah. You have a Titan right now? Yes. Right now you have a Titan. Yes. No, you can't drive it. Moving right along. Oh, damn it. Come on now. Talking about Trevor, he says the guy seems to be one of the most passionate people I've heard from in a long time. And he's not the only one to say this, as it's a common bullet point with just about everyone in the EV market. They all claim that they want to eliminate the need for dependency for oil or fossil fuels. There's no way the need can be eliminated. Reduced possibility, yes. Eliminated, no. Their products can't exist without the use of petroleum-based products. It's common knowledge that the vast majority of things we purchase every day, from clothes to the most basic components in a modern vehicle, are produced from petroleum products. While I'm a diehard internal combustion fan, I believe there is a need in a market for EV and hybrid vehicles. It just bothers me so many of the people in the industry continue to push that they're going to eliminate the need for something they cannot operate without. I know all of this is a matter of perspective, but if the leaders in this upcoming industry want to get more of the enthusiasts and older generations to start looking at their direction, I think they need to readdress the way they approach the topic. Enough of the rambling. Thanks for the crazy hours and hard work you guys put into every episode. Hashtag yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And five stars. Five star review. Five stars. And that was a a great perspective from our friend, Mr. Boyle, because you're still... Mr. Boyle. Need a new Ram, says Mark Patterson. I just listened to your podcast for the first time, and I really enjoyed all the humor and insight you provide. He must be thinking of another show, right? It wasn't this yeah, show. Yeah, not yeah. this one. It was a, uh, a what, better one. A better one. It's just better called one. The Better Truck Show. <laughs> the better Truck Show. I'm writing you in hopes of uh, seeking some advice on getting a used Ram 2500, hopefully 2015 or newer. I currently own a 2000 Ram 1500 Laramie SLT with over 190,000 miles. So I bought, Way to go. Yeah, I bought the truck back in 2005 when I was a senior in high school. That's a, that's a, a baller truck to, uh, for a senior, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm now married and I have an almost one-year-old daughter. It's been a great truck for me and unfortunately I believe its time has come to an end. The dash is all but completely gone and in addition it burns through a quart of oil every six weeks. <laughs> that's probably bad, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you do, listen, it's only bad if you're doing oil and gas at the same time. That's at least <laughs> like two tanks or three tanks. Indeed. So I just feel that I'm uh, at the point of not wanting to put any more money into it. Plus... I'd really like a little more space in the back seat. You know, he's got a kid and all. So it's been about 16 years since I've had to look into buying a new truck Whoa. with a lot of changes since then. I don't do a whole lot of towing at the moment, but I do need the higher payload for some side jobs that I do. And with that said, I do have hopes in getting into a camper a few years down the road. I feel a little behind the curve in regards to options and capabilities with the newer Ram trucks. I don't have a huge budget, so getting a new truck is probably not an option for me. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. I will definitely be listening to more of your podcasts and look forward to hearing from you guys. And that is from uh, Mark in Fort Collins, Colorado, and there is his Ram. Oh, yeah. Look at that thing. Is that a uh, 2500 or 1500 That's a 1500 and uh, pretty stock. So I would say, uh, you know, a couple things to look at. It sounds like he wants to stay in the Ram family. <laughs> Wait a minute. Look at the dash, dude. Oh, yeah, all those trucks. Oh, yeah, damn. Where they start getting the UV that, and the brittle plastic. That dash is hammered Yeah, he's, he's ready for a new truck. 19 yeah. years or whatever he said. Yeah, he's ready. Yeah. 16 years? What did he say? You've earned it, dude. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, there's plenty of values of, you know, trucks with 
15 to 30,000 miles that are two or three years old. He's uh, got to spend uh, closer to 40, though, isn't he, on that thing? Yeah, it depends. Two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, wood engine. Uh, I would say that you're yeah, probably you know, 30-ish, somewhere in there. It just depends on what it's set up. Is he getting a quad cab? Does he want a crew cab? He's got a daughter, so he needs a crew cab. No, right? I agree with that. And I think if he's going to get a camper, you might want to go off-road. So a four-wheel drive would be smarter. Yeah, get the EcoDiesel or get the Hemi. They'll both be fine. Get it with the eight-speed. That's a, one of the newer Rams. The EcoDiesel value has not held, right, on like the 1516? Uh, I don't know. I, okay. I haven't checked into it. Well, so check into it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, most of the trucks are going to have way more payload than that truck did from that time. So basically, today's half tons have similar payload to what the you know heavy duties had way back then. So I don't think payload will be a concern. If you stick with a half ton, you should be fine. You also, just saying, might want to check out the Nissan Titan XD. Sounds like it's right up your alley. Six That's a good call. Six and a half foot bed, drives like a half ton, but way better payload. You get all the bigger upgraded everything, and you can probably find a deal on one. So you might want to check that out as well. All right, uh, one last email here uh, for this show. We got Brad Fair says, thank you. You're welcome. For what? Uh, he says, hey, guys, I feel kind of bad that I haven't known about your show from the beginning. I just discovered it and decided to start with episode one. I just finished 12. Oh, man. That interview with Finnegan was awesome. He's my favorite guy in the automotive industry. I haul methanol, so I put the podcast on and let it play all night trucking up and down I-5. Since I started listening to you guys, <laughs> sounds like a super dangerous job. Oh my gosh! Yeah, especially <laughs> when he's listening to us. Methanol. Yeah, don't don't mind me. I'm just hauling <laughs> methanol up the five freeway. Uh, since I've started listening to you guys, I felt like I should share this with you. My uncle Mike got me into pickup and semi trucks when I was in my early teenage years. I always loved all things trucks since I was a toddler, but he really lit the fire. I realize now that I should have driven trucks when I joined the army, but I'm an idiot. Well, I mean, it takes one to know one, and you fit right in with us, my friend. Uh, he says, anyways, I learned what I could from him when he was still in town visiting. I moved closer to him five years ago and was excited to spend more time with him. I helped with his projects every time I had the chance, but couldn't work on anything too big at that point. He had some pretty serious medical issues that slowly took over his life. Two and a half years ago, I bought my first classic truck, a 77 F-250 Ranger. He got really excited, wanted to restore it with me, and I was hoping he'd have that reaction. So here's the picture of it. It's a, uh, looks like a four-wheel drive. F-250, but with a dually rear axle on it. It's a long bed, regular cab, and the headache rack has stacks built into Let it. Me By the way, this. check out those mud flaps. Let me see this. And it's pati- way more patina than your truck. <laughs> this is a freak show. By the way, what lights are on the bumper? Not even kidding. What lights are on the bumper of the truck? Flip, flip the, the paper bump. around there, okay. Lightning. All right, all right. These are KC Daylighters for the win. <laughs> How Four of right? them. Ah, uh, anyway, he continues. The first time he saw it, he- wait, 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 stop. There's something very sinister when this thing rolls up to you with this uh, this crazy grill. Oh yeah, it's also but got it- like a big flat push bar on the front. Dude, this is right out of like uh, what's it, Mad Max? Uh, Mad so- Max or like uh, what's the zombie TV show? Walking Dead. Yes, because it's so it's so menacing and yet. Rusty four, and patina. No, no, but four little happy faces staring at you. Yeah, which is super weird, right? Like, there's there's something yeah. that's comical and, and soothing about that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that- look at those cab lights. Wait a minute, those cab lights are not stock. Look closely at those ca- oh, those cab over lights. Oh, what are they? Uh, they look like bullets, like backwards. Uh, no, they look like uh, megaphones with lights in the end oh, of them. Yeah. Metal megaphones. They look like ice cream cones laying on their uh, sides. I'm uh, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I'm totally on board with this truck. I would rock that, and I would both scare and delight school children. Man, can you imagine rolling up to pick up a kid like at uh, you know sixth grade or something? Or just driving it on Halloween through the neighborhood. Park this in valet. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, anyway, uh, he says the first time he saw it, he'd been in the hospital a few weeks, and I parked it where I knew he could see it from the hospital bed. We talked about the plans and parts for three or four hours, but that was the last time I saw him. He passed away a week later. Mm. Ugh, we hate hearing these. You guys can't make us sad like this. Uh, he says, I'm sharing this because he was my favorite teacher. He was a Ford fanatic to the bone. He was the smartest man behind a wrench I ever met, and so much knowledge of trucks and semis. Now he's gone and have a hard time teaching myself between being too busy with work and not having the money, space, or knowledge to do any wrenching. I'm only 25. I haven't quite been around the block yet. I still have the truck and I absolutely love it. No amount of money would get me to sell it. I've gotten to the point where it's my daily. I'm going to restore it in his name and do everything to it that he would have done. Come and swap and all. The two of you and the guests you bring on are teaching me so much, putting a smile on my face, and the stories that are told remind me of the ones Uncle Mike used to tell me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. P.S. How would I go about squeezing a 6BT into this thing? Um, well, you could do it on a Ram chassis. Or yeah. you could just slide one in there. Um, it's a little too much work, I think. I just want to tell you that uh, we've had so many listeners that have emailed us these great stories. And uh, we're glad that maybe a little bit of this crazy show can fill that void in, in your life a little bit. And uh, we, we appreciate you reaching out and sharing. We're serious when we tell you that this truck is badass. It is so freaking cool and sinister and scary and Can a little. We, we we need to post a picture of this on Instagram. Yeah, we'll have to do that. the uh, The daylighters are whimsy to me, right? Like it's this it's this truck returning to the earth, and yet there are yellow happy daylighters leading the way. It's kind of cool. We've gone full circle. We started with uh, KC daylighters, and we're ending with KC daylighters. I mean, sounds good to me. All right. I mean, who wouldn't want a yellow happy face leading the way every day? I would. Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. I mean, that's a great show. I feel like we uh, covered a lot of ground on this show. We did. And uh, we haven't gotten to uh, Five Star Hotline in a while, so don't forget 657-205-6105 if you want to uh, hear yourself on the show and give us a piece of your mind. No, we don't want a piece of your mind. Don't do that. No. Uh, if you want to, I don't know, tell us how much you uh, like me more than lightning. 657 205 6105. No, I think uh, we want a story. You're, uh... Like Uncle Mike. What's your Uncle Mike story? If you've got a, a Uncle Mike or a mentor in your life that has helped shape your love of trucks, we'd love to hear about it. Or you can also email us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or hit us up on the socials at truckshowpodcast on uh, Instagram and Facebook. How's that Nissan going? How's that Titan you're driving right now? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Why? I haven't been in it. Uh, let's go for a ride. I got a uh, one-week loaner one time. You're welcome. I mean, thank you, but okay. like, that was it. You've had 85 weeks of loaners <laughs> from Nissan. Yeah? Hey, Nissan peeps, hook a brother up. Well, you know what you can do. Yeah, take a trip with you. Well, a day you, trip? you could do that if I had let you in, although uh, social distancing, my, I might have to lock you out or leave you in the back. No, no, no I'll sit in the back seat. All right. No, I'm at the back <laughs> of the uh, the back of the truck, the bed. I wish you could still do that. Oh, That's man, how old we kids. are. That was so awesome. Yeah, yeah. How many California kids are just totally missing out? All of them? Ah, just, I remember when you had the, uh, you could choose between sitting sideways in the extended cab mm-hmm. or riding in the bed. It was bed every time. Be- of course. Raining or not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Windy it- or not. Bed of the truck. Yeah. 
sleet, hail, whatever. I'm in the back. Well, listen, if you uh, if you want to get some more uh, Nissan experiences, then you should head over to NissanUSA.com and check out the Titan Titan XD, the Frontier, their line of awesome commercial vans. And the Titan and Titan XD have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. But what if I'm looking for a midsize truck? Well, then you should check out the 2020 Frontier with the ah. new 3.8 and 9-speed, which was... Uh, I actually really like that truck. As basic and simple as that truck is, it would do everything that you'd want to do, especially for somebody who doesn't want all the crazy tech right now, because uh, that might be the last of the old school midsize trucks. Rock solid and uh, and ins- ridiculously, surprisingly quiet. Uh, and dependable. How about a million miles on one of those things? Yeah, that's too many miles. It's time. You gotta, it's like, no, I'm going to tap out and buy something new at that point. I mean, yes, at it's what gonna point? Last. 250,000? Yeah, probably like 350, something like that. All right, I'm well, like, just because I'm like, you know, I want, at that point, it's like wearing a pair of jeans too long, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's impossible. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, impossible. I'm still wearing the same jeans we started the show at uh, 121 episodes ago. Is that the smell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would suggest you take those jeans off and put them in a deck drawer for safekeeping. <laughs> uh, that's true because they are uh, water resistant and uh, dust resistant and lockable. I could definitely take my jeans off and they'd be safe there. Is there any mold in your jeans right now? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> How about your beard? Oh, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Right. Uh, my oh. beard, actually, uh, the other day, it went uh, and opened a deck drawer on its own. Oh, did it? Yeah, really? it did, yeah. yeah. I leaned in too far, and it, it caught the handle, and I tried to pull myself away. And are are you like a South Park character where your lower jaw moves? Those are the Canadians. The, oh, the Canadians? Yeah, those are only the Canadian characters on South Park. Of course, we love Canadians. <laughs> yes, we do. Because uh, you guys, half of you guys, I think half of Canada listens to the show. Oh, really? Yeah. I, there's I, a population of like 60 people up there? Yeah, you know how I am uh, uh, an honorary Texan? Yeah. Uh, I think we are uh, honorary Canadians as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Self-proclaiming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, we... Well, listen, if you live in Canada, you can get decked systems up there as well. You know what you can also get in Canada? Do they, do they drive trucks up in Canada? You are going to get so much hate mail. <laughs> Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Listen. You know I'm kidding, I'm guys. the one that loves Canadians. Mm-hmm. You're the one who makes snide comments about Canada being America's hat. <laughs> I have never said that. <laughs> I've never said that. I said I love their bacon. I do love their bacon. Yeah. On pizza. Yeah. But you know what's funny? What's that? I think that's a scam. What? What's a scam? What are you talking about? Canadian bacon. I think if you were to go to Canada and ask for Canadian bacon, they would punch you. Would they say American bacon? What would they say? They just say no. I, I just they probably look at you like that's something you guys made up down there. Oh really? I don't know. You think it's a scam? Canadian, 657-205-6105. We want to hear about Canadian bacon, if it's real or not. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know it's real, but is it a thing in Canada, or did us stupid Americans just make it up? Let's do an investigative report. Uh, poutine. we got to talk about poutine, too. No, we don't. It's not a food show. I love food. Yeah. we got to get out of here and eat. You know why? Why? Because we're fat. <laughs> <laughs>